Hello everybody, welcome back to the Precision Unloaded podcast. You're once again joined by Mark and Graham, your regular hosts, and we have Anthony Colley back on. So, hello you two. There you go. Hello, Graham. Uh, so we're going to be talking over, um, uh, Colley got an invite via Australia to compete in the US Paris Series Final, and Mark decided to carry on his team captain role and fly all the way to Kansas to carry some extra ammo. So we're going to talk about this trip, uh, all the, the things they did, touching on a bit of ELR, um, the match itself, and then any, any other weird and wonderful things that took place as they flew around the world. So, Well, it's a bit of a coup for the podcast to secure Anthony for this uh, interview, ahead of uh, Women's Day and Women's Weekly. So. Did you say coup? Yeah. yeah Wouldn't well, coup you know. be a military takeover of the government? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's a bit of a... I, I know some I guys from the army, up. but they're... You know, alcoholics. it cost a lot of money to, to get this interview, Graham. Come yeah, on. it did. It did. You know, it cost me one Jeff. one of them 100-meter targets got damaged, so... Yeah. <laughs> it was going to get damaged eventually, all right? <laughs> anyway, anyway, so, Mark, Anthony, I'm, I'll just ask the odd question, but you guys know what happened. Um, start at the beginning. All right, for, away you go, Anthony. Rip into, oh, you, you yep. rip into it, Oh, I'll run it, I'll start. So, got the how invite. Did it, how, did it, how did it come about? Got the invite through Australia. Um, yep. Through their series, since we don't have a PRS series. And once I realised <laughs> that no one else was going from either New Zealand or Australia, I said, well, shit, I don't really want to go by myself. So, rang up uh, the most obvious person for the trip, being Mark, and said, hey want to come to america and you without hesitation said yes when are we leaving <laughs> yeah which is normally tinged with regret about a week later when i go oh hmm, hmm. it's quite a tight time frame but anyway nah. so <clears throat> this was this was back in august um yeah so we started planning it in august and well, literally all we did was talk about it in August and then we did all the actual planning about five days before we left. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I just had to make sure I had uh, the forms filled out. Um, which um, you had to do quite a bit earlier, did you? In terms of getting... Uh, uh, yeah. I, it's a lot easier. The paperwork for America is pretty simple compared to what we've been seeing in Aussie. Yeah, it's one page, it's an ATF permit. You just basically send your invite, um, your filled-out form with your name, your gun details, your ammo details. They don't ask for any form of identification at all, and you just get your permit back about a week later saying, yep, bring your guns to America. So That is true. I didn't have to put any. Yeah, I didn't just put it. It was um, a short form. And they turned it around pretty quick too. I mean, they said it was going to be like fourteen days, but I got it in at three, I think. So, Sorry, so this was, and, uh, this was just for the days, ammo, was it, Mark? Yeah, ammunition. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like same form, same form. Because yeah. often it assumes you're taking a rifle and ammo. Because it'd be pretty boring just going with ammo. So, no, so just to clarify for those, yeah, like two hundred and fifty downloads we'll get for this. People <laughs> listening. 300 maybe if we're lucky um so you were taking extra ammo for anthony and scott yeah tell everyone who scott is the most well <laughs> the guy who breaks everything 
It certainly generates nice, great stories. Anthony, can you? Because <clears throat> Scott came... Wait a minute, wait a minute. We have to be real careful how we approach talking about Australians because you've got us in trouble in the past, Mark. Yeah, I'm mending the bridges. I'm mending the bridges on them, right? Like, like uh, I, I want to cross my fingers and make sure mm. you don't annoy anybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Scotty, Scott McMillan decided well he got offered a spot also from australia so he decided a little bit later that he was coming and so part of his prep he wanted to come over here after the aussie final for a week and me and him were just trained together getting you know out out and about away from the square range stuff in aussie getting ready for what we're going to see in america so he came over a couple of days after we shot the aussie final and we did a few days at home. He just borrowed one of my guns, um, my old Six Creed. And we did a few days at home. And then I suggested to Mark that we go somewhere different because he was over here to shoot wind and stuff like that. And we weren't really getting it at home. So I said to Mark, what's the forecast like at your place? So we ended up going over there for a couple of days um, to shoot and, more importantly, to tail a heap of lambs. So... <laughs> Free that, labor. That, seemed, that that ended up being the uh, the main reason for the trip to Taranaki to help you tail all your lambs, and then we did a little bit of shooting, me, Scotty, and Graham, in between. Well, it's the price you pay. I, I did two days of lambs, and Scott's actually from a farming background, so that was good too. I, I, um, I bet he was stoked. <laughs> he didn't seem to put it. Yeah, I did one day, and then Mark goes, "Oh no." Oh, we're doing tomorrow, but you, you don't have to come. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I'll, you don't have to come, but I'll see you here at 10, all right? All right, yeah, cool. So, I think we got the same story, but it was like, oh, no, we don't have to help. And I was like, well, obviously we have to help if, if that's happening. Yeah, so. yeah we're, not, we're not Nick. <laughs> um, the, the infamous hay bale story, but there's another day. Um, so yeah, we did a little bit of shooting over there. Um, very unfortunate incident, probably some, the start of what will be a week of incidents. We'll say for for Scott is yeah. at one point set, he had his gun. Time. He had his gun sitting on the new digger bucket prop at Marks, and it was fairly windy. And then we're all sort of talking, and he left it sitting up on the on the digger bucket on a bag. And um, obviously in a safe state, mag out and bolt open, all that type of thing. And then we had this clunk. Oh, what was that? And turned around and Scott's gun had flipped off the digger bucket and landed straight on the turret and smashed this red dot. And um, luckily for me... I'd say luckily that for me, is good. <laughs> that, well, it was. Like, like well, no, it, it, took, it took that hit. It, we figured out it wrecked it, but it's still dialed. Yeah. In and out to 1,200 metres consistently. Yeah. And it stopped at yeah. wrecking your gun. Yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> well, yeah, for the red dot and his turret wore the full force yeah. of, the, uh, of the impact. Yeah. And yeah, the, the, first, the first Burris XTR Pro that's been in New Zealand, and it's been there like uh, three days and it's trashed. Yeah. <laughs> <You're> proper broken. Yeah. <laughs> I'd still so, have still yeah, look, works, I'd buy it. 
little, little did we know that it was actually broken. So we carried on and it was fine and we kept shooting for you know, another day at Mark's and then we came home and did a few more days here and um, got, I think, we, Scotty ended up firing or shooting about five or 600 rounds while he was over here. So he had a good good week um, of training. And then, yeah, jumped forward a bit. When, when he got home, about two days later, he sent me a photo of his, uh, of his scope with the turret like actually bent forward a little bit it, none yeah. of us had realised and he said he'd gone to dial it past 9 mils or something and it just locked up and he couldn't dial it up or down it was just stuck at 9 mils so <laughs> it must have been a point in the turret where it was just really broken and that was it so this is basically now 3 days before we were leaving for America yeah true um, so he had to desperately try and find a new scope and get that sorted and you know, re-zero and he actually hadn't done his data for his gun yet because he didn't have it in in, uh, in New Zealand and so when he was here he brought a hundred prepped bits of brass with him because the match in America was um, we assumed it was going to be around 200, 220 rounds similar to the M4 and it turns out it was being on 200 and my five kilos of ammunition for, for the BRA is only 230 rounds um, that's actually just over. I need two hundred and twenty-eight to be under my five kilos. So I actually wanted more than ten to to fire on the practice day and and do a zero. So this is why Mark ended up getting a permit. So I said to Mark, "Hey, can you try and get an ATF permit? And if I give you a hundred rounds, and Scotty gives you a hundred rounds, you can just be a mule and take extra extra ammo for us." So, but to get a permit, you can't just apply for a permit in another country to take gun or ammo without uh, a good reason. So, you need, same as Aussie, you need it, or here, you need a valid hunting license or invitation for a match. So, because Mark had neither, we, well, I was planning on just forging one, but we didn't have to do that because the um, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, said just, just, you said just email the head on so I if that didn't work I was going to forge it but Ken yeah. was good enough to ask no questions and just give you an invite so you could get yeah. the permit and it all turned around pretty fast so Mark Andrews oh. got an invite to the US PRS final it almost yep. looked like I could have competed <laughs> you could have like, <clears throat> but it, you'd be the but, only guy oh, there oh, with a SIG, SIG BDS scope <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'll be like, "What are you using?" But to be fair, at the top of the PDF it had um, support, oh. so it was like, "You can yeah. put your finger over that bit, can you?" Yeah, I know it would have been fine. I'll just turn up. Well, we got you for a zero. What squad am I in? What squad am I in? Oh. <laughs> anyway, that didn't happen. So, but uh, um, so it was pretty invaluable to have all those extra rounds for practice day because I think uh, was it Marcus from Austria. He's like, I've got seven rounds for the day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. So he's he, like, was, he, was, but... he, he was shooting a 6.5 Creed, and because yep. of his weight, he could bring 207 rounds with his five kilos, and the match ended up being 200 rounds. So he had seven spare rounds to zero his gun, check his data, yep. and do some practice. Yeah. And... <laughs> So he seemed to wander around very sparingly. 
<laughs> he spent the rest of the day on Friday. We're jumping back and forth here a bit, but he, yep. he spent yep. the rest of the day on Friday just walking around, dry firing on everything, and then asking everyone else who was practicing, what are you doing for wind? And then he was practicing holding wind and dry firing whatever they were saying. Well, he made the most out of the situation, though, didn't he? Yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. Didn't waste the time. Than, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, right back to the back to the back to phase. So, so, yeah. So Scotty had gone home with his first issue for the trip and sorting that out. Um, yeah, I had no issues at all. I zeroed the gun, checked the data, everything was good. Offloaded extra hundred rounds to no. Actually, we'd given. Uh, Scotty had brought his 100 bits of brass. We loaded them at my place. Um, gave Delivered them to, them to me. Yep. While we were over there. I hadn't done mine yet because I didn't want to load all my ammo without actually testing my stuff first, which at proper distance, at like 1,200 metres, which I hadn't done. So when I got home from, uh, from your place, I did that. Uh, loaded some ammo and then... So managed to get the ammo to you. Uh, before we jumped on our international flight and so at that point we're ready to go so we rendezvoused in auckland on the was the wednesday eh? wednesday yep yep and And actually their flights worked out quite well yeah they gave options like four hours before you know with a big gap before you get the international flight which was good um yeah i think we met up there at like four o'clock or four thirty or something in the afternoon And we weren't leaving Auckland until 8.30, so we um, had a good bit of time to relax and in the lounge, and then we left about 8.30, and Auckland to Chicago, which I believe is about 15 and a half hours. Yeah. And we, yeah, we won't get into the details of the flight, but I had a really, really good relaxing flight, and Mark did not, so... <laughs> yeah, Mark's I was in known, He's known for... Uh, causing a few issues on flights not not get yourself banned but like agitating flight attendants and i mean he didn't sniff one like someone else we know but he's, he's always <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna be angry at you there no, <laughs> but like I, Mark, Mark intentionally I, 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 mucks around yeah yeah i did spend a lot of time down the back talking to the flight attendants so so did collie um, go in first class and you went in poverty poverty bu- class? business business oh, class oh, and, yeah, I, and yeah. I i was in the cargo hold in a dog kennel, basically. So, yeah, not a bad. Place. So, one of, one of the perks of, I suppose, flying a lot recently for overseas competitions is I'm racking up a heap of air points, and once you get past your certain levels, you get um, free upgrades just accumulate. So I just save them up for the really long haul flights. So then I just apply them all at once, and hopefully. Yeah, I get bumped up a couple of classes, which I luckily did both ways for this trip. So it ended up being fairly economic, but got all the luxuries of having the upgrades, and 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 I didn't feel bad at all that Mark didn't. I was. <laughs> no, I was fine. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I was just down we... the back of the paint embellishing stories. They go, "Is that your weapon in the hold?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, it's mine." <sighs> Yeah, yeah, them and their weapons when you check in. Yeah. So, anyway, we land in Chicago, um, and man, that's Chicago airport 
what is it? O'Hare International Airport. Man, yeah, what a... 3,000 like something hectares. Yeah, 3,000 hectares. 3,000 hectares of airport. 3,000 hectares. Yeah, it felt like yes. you were taxiing all Mark, the way that's back three, to New Zealand. That's we're, three of your farms. <laughs> yeah, I know. Of airport. Of, of flatter... Flatter than my place, landing aircraft, and yeah, it's crazy. Wow, oh, yeah. pretty cool. Until the 90s, because we doctor Googled it, but it was the busiest airport in the world until about the late 90s, so, and it's still now, one of the top. Now it is the, now it is the fourth busiest, and, that, yeah, and, and yeah. It, 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 was, it was the average 2,200 flights every day. <laughs> every day? Every yeah, day. Yeah, something like 70 million plus people a year through it. It's just, yeah, anyway. I had to take a, like a 15 minute bus ride on a, at an airport in Europe once to a different, similar thing, but probably not that big. Anyway, so yeah. carry on yeah. with you. Yeah. yeah so anyway, yeah. so we, we, we didn't have much time to kill there. No, no. Um, and clearing customs in America with firearms is very, very easy. Not like the Aussie stuff. So basically the, the gun just appears out beside the baggage carousel, just unattended. So you just pick it up. Um, yeah, when you're going through and they scan your fingerprints and take photos and stuff like that, and they ask why you're here and just shooting competition, it's just like, oh yeah, sweet, on your, on your way. Pretty simple. And collect the gun, basically just declare it as you walk through the line and they just divert you somewhere else and couple of cops standing there and they just asked for the serial number only basically i just and they were happy for me to give it to them just verbally without even looking at the gun they're like oh what's the serial number and i said oh, yeah this is what it is yeah. i said oh, i've got the permit here if you want and they're like oh yeah and just had a quick glance at it and gave it back to me there was it no Sweet. copying no nothing um t- r- noted down the serial number and sent me on my way i was in there for like two minutes um, I don't think Mark, with the ammo and his permit, probably didn't even need it. Just walked straight through. No. no. Um, um, nothing. Yeah, there was nothing. They didn't even ask. So. Yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd got separated, so going off the plane, because I got off first, Mark got off last, because he's right down the bag, and we ended up going through <laughs> customs at <laughs> different, different times. And um, yeah. and yeah. I didn't one meet up. Look, one looking them. refreshed and one like a drowned rat. Yeah, I I slept for eight hours on the way over. It was amazing. Yeah. You've told me. Anyway. You've told me. Yeah. 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 Many times. <laughs> many times. Um. <clears throat> so then we had to find our way to the connecting terminal, which an airport that size. Fuck! It took ages. You know. We'd, yeah. <laughs> train. We jumped on a couple of different trains and. Is that the one where you jumped on the thing and, and no? So you oh yeah, my bag. And then yeah, you leapt. Yeah, yeah, my bag almost got caught and almost died. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. There was some guy inside because my straps were all the doors shut like on my pack, and um, there's a couple of guys inside like grabbed me in the pack and were like trying to pull me in because they thought I was going to get sucked out the door. But that's right. And so Mark was on the second one because he missed it, and uh, then. Yeah, we jumped, we were flying, was it United? Yeah. United, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was the internal flights. Yeah. Terminal Terminal E or something. Yeah. And the bit, I mean, the most fascinating part when you're going through the uh, next floor of security is just everywhere there's just a sign saying, don't take your handguns on planes, remove yeah. your sidearms now, yeah. don't take yeah. your, you know, all that type of thing. 
you've forgotten is not an excuse. All this type of stuff and signs of it, and you know, big handguns with crosses through it. Do not take your handguns. So it's just everyone must have them. Um, and a big wall so, of shame with photos of stuff they've confiscated. So oh yeah, all it was all this year. It yeah. was everything this year. Just hundreds of photos of guns that they've confiscated off handguns that they've taken off people as they've gone through security trying to take them on the planes. A lot of them are all, all, all subcompact concealed carry ones. People just about forget they had them on them. So, mm. yeah. Um, yeah, and then we're off to Wichita. So we were two-hour flight backwards. Yep. Yep. We flew. We flew over Wichita on the way to Chicago. You can see it very clearly out of the plane window. Yeah. And then, at least you had yes. a window. <laughs> <laughs> And Carry so on. we made it to Wichita at about 10.30pm after uh, I started a stopwatch when I left when I left my house in Hawke's Bay. So by the time we landed in Wichita, it was 29 and a half hours of travelling. So fairly long haul. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Scotty had sort of stuffed his itinerary up a wee bit because we'd told him that we were flying to Wichita and he decided he was flying to Kansas City which was about four hours in the opposite direction to where he needed to be. Which was our original, almost our original plan. Well, we talked about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about it. We didn't didn't realise that Wichita was an option so until, yeah, which is heaps better. Anyway, so he flew to Kansas, rented a car and met us at the airport because he landed about Six hours before, I think. Yeah. Yep. 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 So he was there to pick us up, and then we stayed in Wichita the first night, and yeah. So overall, the travel over there went off pretty without a hitch. All our bags for all three of us made it over. Yeah. Um, guns, ammunition, all of that, fine. So we're good. We're away. Um. Wichita the first night, and then the next morning, uh, I'd organised to um, catch up with uh, Ryan Cheney over there. And for anyone who doesn't know, Ryan Cheney is one of the world's top ELR shooters. Um, he was second in King of Two Mile last year, one King of One Mile this year. Um, very regular podium finisher and all those sort of world ranked sort of ELR events. Um, the incredibly knowledgeable guy in the yeah. world of long range shooting. So I wanted to catch up with him because he lives in um, uh, Conway Springs, which was about 30 miles west of Wichita in the direction that we were heading. Yeah, heading but, towards uh, so, Medicine Lodge. So he, we actually met up with him in Wichita for breakfast that morning um, just because he was in town anyway. And so we did that. And yeah, had a good chat with him for a couple of hours about all things sort of ELR and yeah, how he got into it and that type of thing. And yeah, 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 a bit of a chat about that, Mark. Yeah, really interesting guy. Um, it's certainly um, sort of a, he's not, yeah, he hasn't been in it a long time, but it's certainly um, it's pretty much gone down. He's done a few. PRS type matches in, in this time I think um, but he's more now pretty much just dedicated straight to that so Did you tell him that you won the 
one mile magnum one time, mate. <laughs> Which is not, it doesn't really count. And did you tell him <laughs> that you theoretically kind of won it, but didn't win it another time? Yeah, well, that was cheating. <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> yeah. So he know he knows you're a big deal in this. Side yeah, of yeah, on. Okay, yeah. Cool. Well, as soon as you say you're shooting a fifty cal, they just eyes glaze over. So it's, it's, <laughs> why do you shoot? Why do you shoot that way? Oh, it's so loud. <laughs> so loud. He would have moved on from that about five different cartridges ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's got a shit so, BC. Why would you shoot that? So he's what well, now shooting three seven fives and four sixteens, but they're not the cases uh, are X X thirty three XC for his light light gun yeah, also for yeah. light gun class, and then a four sixteen yeah. stroker for his um, what a name for heavy gun. Four sixteen stroke, <laughs> a four inch stroke, a 4.16 stroker. Sorry, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what's the parent case of that? Because I was looking at it in his uh, press. The well, the fifty. Yeah. It's a fifty BMG. Yeah, yeah. Case that then they turn into a four sixteen Barrett, and then they turn yeah. it into the four sixteen stroker. As you do, I think. Yeah, I think, or it might be the. I could be horribly wrong. I, I'm actually 100% confident now I've said it, think I'm wrong, and I'm pretty sure it's the Shaytac case made a bit longer and necked up to 4.16. You may be right, because I was looking at the cases and, the, and you could, they were similar looking and it didn't look the full sort of, for size of a 50, so yeah. The, because was... the Barrett is the, Barrett's based off the 50, but... Yeah, hmm. I'll have to re- I'll have to double check, but I'm pretty anyway. sure it may be, maybe maybe I'm I'm leaning towards it's off the Shaytac case. But either way, he's shooting a 550 grain solid at 2950 feet per yeah. second. Yeah. Uh, so in the end, we he had some projectiles that were delivered uh, that Anthony was bringing back, and but they hadn't arrived the morning he met us. So, but then he went home and. Um, text back saying they've arrived so we actually got to call on his house and then uh, that was even better because we got to look at all his um elr guns and various other things so it was pretty impressive just to look at the setup he's got and um the rifles he's used previously and his current ones or current ones um which you could probably go into a bit more detail than i would but um so what else um, did he, oh scotty went all the way to america and the first animal he saw was an emu so that was uh because yeah. uh, Ryan had a little, his little lifestyle block, or and he had various animals, a couple of goats. Anyway, I can't even remember. They were an old bull. Nigerian dwarf goats. Yes, that's them. We all know what they look like. Uh, what else? Interesting, obviously, being Kansas, the whole under part of the house was a giant basement, you know, for protection from um, tornadoes. So it was quite impressive. It gives you, <coughs> it gives you a very good sized gun room. Well, the, and the the two other reasons, well, and the two other things that were cool over there is obviously we got to look at his guns. So he's got yeah. his yeah. 33XC, which is um, uh, about 29 pound or 26 pound, I mean, to 26 pound to stay under there. That's the weight limit for light class for King is of it? One Mile and stuff like that. Yep, 26 pound. And then his heavy gun, the 416, was 39.8 with everything on it. Um, and that's Jesus. to stay under the 40 pound limit for heavy class for King of Two Mile. And that thing was huge, like a 38 yeah. inch barrel or something. 38 inch yeah. barrel on it. Um, brass weights all over it. 
manners, LRT stocks on both of them, and yeah, man, some setup. Be cool. What are those barrels? Those barrels must be one and a half inches. Yeah. In terms of on the on the four sixteen, it will be. Yeah. Yeah. Massive. Um, um, is there a weight limit on yeah. heavy class? Yeah, yes. 40, 40 pound. Forty pound. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And then he had a carbon fiber thirty seven XC. Which wasn't that heavy at all. And what did he say he was doing with it? He was going to do some videos of him shooting one mile or limited ELR, like one mile and smaller plates yeah. and stuff, but mainly offhand. Yeah. Yeah, what a legend. As a little project. <laughs> offhand. <laughs> yeah, boy. He was going to see if he could hit, hit the one mile plate, like a fairly small one mile plate, offhand with a 37. Yeah, can he shoot offhand normally, though? So hopefully he does that. That'd be pretty cool. Is he any good at offhand shooting? I'm not sure. <laughs> Find out. Sure. <laughs> it's pretty light. It's pretty light gun, so you'd be able to. It was pretty light gun, so you'd be able to hold it up a right. Yeah, but it's a mile away. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, <laughs> literally. <laughs> we, we will see. Um, and the other reason was his uh, airfoil bags, his ELR rear bags called the airfoil. That he yes, I was going to mention that, but I couldn't remember what they're called. Um, so me and Mark both brought one to, to try, because I wanted one anyway, and Mark saw them and thought, shit, that's cool. So they're basically a, a wedge-shaped bag with a hard, uh, hard rubber base, yep. and you put about 10 pounds of sand in them, like a normal sandbag, but then they have yep. a a like a window framers wedge or something like a little airbag that goes in between the rubber base and the compartment that has the sand in it and it's just got a little hand pump and basically you sit there and as you pump it up every pump gives you about two mils of elevation and then you've got a little button to let let it back down and you can have you tried yours mark i've tried mine and you can literally like just squeeze it slightly and you can you can control it by like a tenth you know yeah. up or down if, you, if you're gentle with it and it's really fast so, so you pump yeah. it and it makes it bigger so i i thought well surely there'll be a bit of sponge you know because it's no yeah. but yeah. no there's not i jumped behind it and put a heap of downwards force on the gut you know and pumped it up and man it was, it was cool like saves just fluffing around with your with your bag trying to flip it up or you know pump it up with your hand or whatever you can just sit there and do a little pump and you just go and you're away um, yeah. So I look forward to using that with some with some big gun stuff over summer. Um, no, it's well and, thought out and and works as as he you know, intended. It's good and it it doesn't have the bouncy castle issue that you the way it's been designed with the the pump at the bottom or the the bladder. Yeah, so it's um pretty stable. Yeah, I mean, it's a good good idea and and it's simple. Not it's not you know. Some technically technical thing. So. Well, you two it's... are the current and former RTD one mile Magnum champs, so uh, got to keep forging ahead. You know, if people should take advice, definitely Collie and but Mark, you know, not too shabby also. <laughs> flash in the pan. <laughs> yeah, flash in the pan. <sighs> Peaked. Anyway, so yeah. yes, 
so they will have the we have the bags out and about at some point. Um, but I reckon, I reckon yep. they're cool, and uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of the ELR guys in the states are using them now. Anybody say he's in basically forty six states in America now, and twenty six yeah. countries with them, and it's going oh, to be cool. all he does going forward is just making these bags. So that's and it's quite yeah, cool. This, he, he really he knows his market and. He could basically say every state that he'd sold how many and which states he had didn't have representation, and he basically, from his competing, knows overall how many you know uh, license holders there are in every state, so potential market, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, he, he well thought out, and I guess through mar- word of mouth marketing and that sort of stuff, it's it's spread. I think he'd sold, yeah, it's getting him up there in numbers, but he's saying you know I could easily get up to maybe potential market of 15,000 of these things down the track sort of thing so which was probably um and that's conservative sort of thing for him yeah so I mean what they no, weren't so, expe- yeah. not no. expensive either I don't, no. I don't actually know what the retail cost so he cut us a deal but anyway the um yeah. so we had a good yeah. half day turned out ended up being half day with Ryan which was appreciated yeah. um and yeah learned quite a lot saw some new stuff which is cool and good to make some contacts on that sort of side of the sport and on the other side of the world. Yeah. So then we carried on from there to where we were staying in Pratt, which was about another 40 miles, I believe. 40? Yeah, not far. From, from there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from Ryan's house. Um, he was sort yeah. of, it was on the way, on the way that we were going. Um, and so we got there oh, mid mid to late arvo thursday about four o'clock and there was a international shooters dinner in medicine lodge that night at some mexican place and that was 40 miles away or something so we got quickly got settled in and we headed there for dinner to catch up with the other international guys um and yeah that was sort of our first contact with other shooters for the match when we got there and um yeah so there was how many of us there probably only there wasn't not all of them went but there might have been no tw- 20 uh, or so that turned up 20 20 odd yeah there was the contingent of uh from great britain well yeah. britain uh yeah. some yappies south africans turned up um and we're, we're offering you know it was not far not long after the world cup so they were <coughs> gloating um but uh, yeah, a nice bunch of people, and then a few of the other internationals. I think Marcus was there from Austria, and yeah, um, a couple of couple other. Of, yeah, it would have been twin, a couple twin of Spaniards. Old. Yeah, um, yeah various others who we didn't have a chance to talk to. No, um, yeah, we didn't. I didn't, we didn't really want to be there for long because we were pretty tired by this point. <laughs> um, so we just sort of caught up with everyone, said good day, had our uh, eventually yeah. had our food after those stuffed it up and forgot what we'd ordered and then gave Mark the wrong thing and did, oh, fuck, anyway. Um, oh, well, and it seemed all very then, random to see, to see it. And then headed back to Pratt to our accommodation and we got back there, I don't know, whatever time. Had a relatively good uh, night's sleep, actually. No jet lag hadn't kicked in at any point, so I slept pretty well. I don't know about the other two. Um, and then Friday, we had to be at the right, like practice and zero and everything kicked off at nine o'clock so 
and you could be there all day until four or five. So I wanted to be there fairly early to get a feel for everything. So we left at about well, seven, didn't we? Quarter to seven. Yeah. And 45-minute 40, drive to the range. Um, got there still dark at about 7.30. Um, I think sign-in opened at 8 o'clock or 8.30, so loitered around for a bit. Caught I think up you'd with given up people. counting deer by then. Oh, yeah, a lot of deer. Man. <laughs> Places place overrun with white-tailed deer over there. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty flat state, and they were just... I was driving along, getting used to driving on the wrong side of the road, and Anthony went, oh, there's four, there's six, there's all within <laughs> probably 300 metres of the road most of the time, yeah. Um, and then you later just, on we found you got to out... See, you got to see some real close later on. But uh, later. Very close, yeah. Very close. Um, yeah, so we got signed did they have in. A briefing? Did, did they have a briefing that day? No. Nah, was... not for signing day. No, 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 just signed in. I think everyone, before it was even daylight, already had their guns because zero range was, was a couple of boards and there was one yep. bit of concrete that was probably 20, 30 metres wide and then yeah. there's yep. very limited sort of access to the 100 metre point. So if you wanted to shoot early, um, it was sort of a bit of a, bit of a, you know, rush to get in there. So there was literally by the time we got there there was already probably 100 people there and everyone had put their guns on the line it was already dark it was still yeah. dark and they just had still their guns dark, sitting yeah. there and then we had to sign in before we could shoot and supposedly get uh, wristbands and stuff to say that you'd signed in but they didn't have them ready yet so the first half of us all just signed in and it was sort of like right right go free for all so got real loud real fast um with everyone having a zero and then you could just go and knock yourself out on the, so the, was it the North Range that we were? Was yeah. Was the North Range or the South Range? That was South Range. Yeah, so South Range was the one with the zero boards and there was 10 stages set, like 10, 10 stages set up. You could go shoot off anything you wanted, that side of the road. Uh, they had some nominated blue targets yeah. all the targets yeah, no, are out but some were painted no. blue and you could shoot them apart from the ones that were up the main range that were numbered like with distances like the seven eight nine hundred yeah oh, seven eight you know nine hundred yard thousand yard anything that was numbered with a distance you could shoot or apart from that anything that was blue um and that appeared to happen for the first couple of hours and then no one gave a shit <laughs> I just went yeah. out the window. I'd be looking at targets going, fuck, that's been hit. Oh, no. <laughs> and then about an hour later, go, oh, God, that's been hammered. Anyway, so. Yeah, fucking, yeah. there's 100 shots on it. Like, no one, they said, oh, please don't, if they're up the, if they're up the, on the scree faces and stuff, because it was, it was pretty flat, but it had some, some, yeah, just some hilly bits and some little rocky outcrops where they had targets. And they're like, if it yeah. looks hard to get Ooh. to, please don't shoot it. And no one fucking listened. Like, everyone was shooting these targets. <laughs> they were shot to shit. So, so they didn't want question, to go... Question. Sorry. Yeah. When you're ready. So, I mean, the difference turning up there versus K&M the previous year, I mean, it obviously seemed... It's it's really just uh, a bit like turning up at my place with a concrete pad and a roof built. Yeah. Because you know, the rest of... The, the, there was much, wasn't much infrastructure, and they hadn't brought a lot either. So I was just wondering... what you. 
impression. No, well, yeah, K- 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 it's like night and day though. Like KM's yeah, like a you you imagine a uh, fairly flash golf course with shooting yep. props and targets. Like that's what K and M is. Yeah, um, but that's one of the premier facilities in in the US. Um, yeah, Twin Peaks was a probably a cooler spot in terms of that you're actually got a almost like you got a 270 degree course of fire cane yeah. is very much you know two-dimensional shoot down your down your lane yep. type thing um yep. and fairly flat just with a little bit of rolling stuff but um bugger all but yeah, yeah so it's hard to hard to sort of have a comparison whereas KM was a lot better set up in terms of they've actually got like a proper office and a shop and stuff like that so you like how you sign in and sort of like a one-way sort of street you go through the office sign and then you flow through to the to the range and stuff like that whereas here there's just people coming and going yeah um, and sort of doing what they wanted almost uh, yeah it just seemed and, a bit more a bit more relaxed than i thought it might have been you know just in, in terms of um, yeah, like you're supposed to do your zero and you practice, and then when you're finished, you go back and you get your armband cut off, and they give you a matchbook and you leave. That's it. Once yeah. you don't have an armband, you can't shoot, which was the case last year, and then it was supposed to be the case this year, but it was about 10 o'clock in the morning, and we were watching guys walk around with their matchbooks looking at the stage. <laughs> That's and right. Over by the oil deck, and, and that was people oh, yeah, looking, the, reading, reading the books. I was like, oh, okay. And they're just like, oh, oh yeah, this is the stage we're doing. And then they proceed to shoot the stage on the actual, like with the proper targets. Um, yeah. That's why all the targets were getting shot up. And we're like, oh, okay, maybe that's a thing. And then we realised that, no, it wasn't a thing. So <laughs> they, they were shooting stages. Yeah, yeah. during Ooh. practice. Yeah. You're, that's um, blatant cheating, but I'm... <laughs> Bloody hell! Anyway, but it was sort of it, it all seemed a little bit loose and yeah, yeah. Guards, so yeah. That, I mean, whatever, that's fine. It's, yeah, um, they're doing their thing, but yeah, I think when we we're down the end on the tank track, um, yeah, down the left hand side of the range, Mark, where that tank track was, yeah, like we were shooting. We were, me and Scotty were just hammering that blue target, and then the guys after yeah. us just came down and they're just like, "Oh yeah, no, this is that troop line, just big to small." And there was a whole line of fresh, freshly, uh, like, perfect fresh white plates, like that just stretched out through the range, which was the turns out that was the actual stage that we shot in the match. It was just a big small, and they all just yeah. jumped down and just like boof, 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 just hammered this troop line on this on that yeah all the white targets, and they're like, oh yeah, no, Dan, it looks good, yeah, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, yeah, so and so on, <laughs> and then they all did it and just sort of walked off, and we we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> whatever that's fine um yeah which is interesting because you could carry on carry on go go no so it wasn't uh you didn't run into anyone well not there anyway um uh that was going around checking on anything so it just seemed yeah but there's so many people that's the other thing it's like you, you don't know who's who and what's what on that day anyway um in terms of administration wise but but i mean general yeah yeah for most of the day everyone was just shooting the blue targets it just seemed to got just well, went a bit yeah for, till about 10 o'clock yeah <laughs> yeah i say most the first two hours yeah and then it's oh um, someone's already shot it. oh well yeah so 
Also, anyway, the the technical aspects of the day, the gun zeroed really well. I'd taken it over there really, really clean because um, yep. I basically had 320 rounds to shoot for the weekend. So um, put some foulers down it, just at some longer targets. Zeroed it, zeroed real well. Um, it was dead calm in the morning, so you get a real good zero. Data yeah. was pretty good. Um, I was a tenth or so, about a tenth out of a thousand yards. So we trued that out, which was just... The speed was exactly the same with unlike yeah. a f- one foot per second as, a, as I normally am, which was good. Um, so I just tweaked the BC down to... It was a bit low. Um, so tweaked the BC down, got that lined up. Everything was lining up mitts. So I was very confident in the setup. Um, Scotty's one was also going really well. Uh, and it was... Yeah, the ammo that he had loaded at my place with obviously different powder, different primers to what his, he was using in his match ammo when he got home was exactly the same. So that was good. So he was practicing with basically the same ammo on the Friday. Yeah. Um, yeah, real happy. The wind got up through the day, which is good. So we got a bit of a look at what the wind was going to do. Um, Mirage got up as well. So that was good to do a bit of shooting in that. And I basically, by the time I'd zeroed and fouled it, I had about, Oh, 70 rounds and on my data I had about 70 rounds 60 or 70 rounds I think to go and have a bit of a practice so we just spent the rest of the day wandering around the south range shooting off the props and just having a look at props and doing a bit here and there and um and everything was everything was good felt real comfortable um gear and gun and everything was doing what it should uh, props are all solid as fuck as you can imagine in America. Like, you know, literally, like in the front, you're shooting off a bulldozer and an oil yeah. rig and a yeah. shit like that. So, um, it's quite good. And then you could also go across to the north range without your guns and have a look at the props um, and stuff over there, but you couldn't shoot. So no. we had a bit of a look. At, we had a bit of a look over there later in the day. Um, that was about it, really. I think we were there until four thirty. Yeah. And then we had to. There was the sponsors dinner at five thirty, just down the road, which all the international shooters were invited to. Also, so it was the the match directors, the ROs, and the sponsors for the season um, have their dinner, and then they get all the international shooters along as well. So. We didn't bother going home, uh, going back to the hotel to change, so we just went straight. We just hung around, actually, in, in Medicine Lodge under a tree, having a sleep um, till 5.30 when we could go to the dinner, and then went and caught up with, yeah, everyone there. And yeah, it was close to 10, 10 minutes from the range, so it was quite good. Oh, it's that, yeah, wasn't it? It was just the other side of Medicine Lodge. Yeah. And it was actually the original place I'd look for accommodation. And that's that's why we couldn't get accommodation, because all the arrows (laughs) and sponsors and everything were staying there. So it was all booked out. Um Yeah, we we were actually the last I think we were the pretty much the last ones to leave by the time we'd sat and had a good couple of hours yarning to to Ken and um, the, the the sort of media crew and stuff like that about various things. Um, it was, yeah, real good to catch up with, uh, 
we'll sort of run over there and let it and let them know that you know New Zealand actually exists. Well, Mark was actually keen to stay quite a bit longer, but we dragged him out and uh, went home probably about ten o'clock, which was way later than I'd anticipated, considering we had to shoot the match the next day. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, so that was it. Made our way back to back to Pratt. Uh, didn't do much in terms of just sort of prep the gear for the next day. I had to seat projectiles because I took all my projectiles over long, um, just because I didn't want the and you know when they're in that low pressure for so long. I've heard stories of actually from some of the F class guys last year they from New Zealand going over to South Africa for the Worlds, they suggested they've taken loaded ammo, loaded all long, because they've had, they, a couple of them took their ammo overseed to length, and then ended up, when it got there, all at different lengths, and they had to reseed it anyway, which is weird. But I suppose when it's in low pressure for that long, weird things can happen, so. Um, took their advice, loaded all long, um, seeded what I needed for the Saturday that night when we got home uh, chucked it all in my bag got all the bags ready and basically yeah went to sleep eventually after we had to 45 minutes listening to Mark snore um by the time we sort of just suffocated him with a pillow we went to sleep so all three all three of us were sharing a room um, so we had to put up with it. So then we were at the, um, yeah, got up early the next day and that was it. We were off ready to go. What time day. What time was um, safety brief on the Saturday? So briefing was going to be at seven, I think. Seven. I'll consult the book of knowledge. What does it say? Match schedule. Uh, Saturday, all right, it's safety and match brief eight. Match begins immediately afterwards. We headed for the range at about quarter to seven, or 6.30, I think, to get there at around yep. seven or just after. And briefing was going to be at eight o'clock, and then the match was going to start pretty much straight after, straight after that. So... Um, once again, as soon as we got there, there was a heap of guns already lined up. Everyone had dropped their guns at their stages already. Yeah, um, yeah. and their gear, yeah. Most of their gear. A lot of guys were waiting at the 100-metre range to zero check or whatever they were doing, warm up the guns. So I jumped on that bandwagon and thought, well, hell, if we can, I'll fire a shot or two. Yeah. yeah. Take take the cold bore aspect out of play. Um so yeah, dropped some gear off, and then we made our way, you know, to the uh, to the RV trailer slash office. For um, there was no sign in on Saturday because we'd all done that on Friday, so that was it. We just had to be there, and then they yeah got stuck into briefing, and which lasted I don't know ten minutes or so, and then we went on our way. We had predetermined, so Ken on Friday night had sent out which squad was starting where, um, which wasn't as, as obvious as squad one starts on stage one. No. Um, so why did well, that happen? Well, why was that? No no idea? 
No idea. No, no idea. idea. Yep. No idea. We could have asked him. We were there talking to him for long enough. Yeah, true. Friday, that's a good but... point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we didn't. Just accepted um, that's it. Yeah. So it was about this time when I think we were walking, briefing had just finished, and Scotty taps us on the shoulder and says, guys, I've lost my kestrel. Can't find my kestrel. And we're like, what do you mean? Which, said, which well, normally you go, that's not a big problem because you just use your backup plan B and C. But anyway, carry on. Yeah, there's <coughs> no, other form of, no other form of data at all. So... <laughs> Um, couldn't even remember the data that we'd literally practiced yesterday. So he was, at this point, we were like, wow, this is a problem. So we quickly went back to the car, looked around, couldn't find it. Um, yeah, we all had, had to get oh, yards. Yeah, so I, we... yeah I, I was walking the whole car park in a sort of pattern, trying to work out where he'd walked to the toilet and back, anyway. And but still, yeah, like frantically trying to find it. <clears throat> Yeah, so I was like, right out. well, I've got to go to my stage and, and get on with it, because we weren't squatted together, and um, no. and he wasn't convinced that he'd even brought it with him to the range, so... No, by that time he thought it was probably at the hotel, so I was like, right, I'll drive back. So I said to Anthony, you'll have to just get someone to film the first couple of stages, or stage or whatever, however long it takes, so I buggered off back to... Um, I think daylight was up by then, yeah, so back yep. to Pratt, uh, and uh, obviously we've been encountering deer on the first couple of trips there and back, and on this fateful one I came within about meters of a make expensive rental car, um, one ran over the road, stopped, <laughs> and was having two minds which way it was going to go, so I thought, oh, anyway, I just managed to move on just in time but then another one joined it so anyway I got past them just about gave me a heart attack turned the hotel room over and you know hey you think man if I don't if it's here I've got to find it so I was looking in every possible you know place and then I was like nah can't find it so I said I'll come back I'll try and find out if anyone's handed something in or so I ran into the marketing guy uh, the American Josh we'll call him um, doing the filming right. and the drone stuff yeah, Ryan, and he uh, he um, said, oh, "I've got spare kestrels, so I'll go and grab one." And so he took off, and then he came back and said, "Is this it?" And he had uh, it in a pouch, which it was in a. And I said, "Yeah, that's it." So he said, "Oh, he's on. Should be on stage, whatever it was, somewhere down the, by the roof or the, somewhere." And um. Yep. So he took that back to him, but I think he'd shot two stages by then, and essentially he'd, uh, well, you, yeah, carry on, Anthony. I'm, I think he'd shot just at the target and corrected off that. Yeah, he had, he had just sort of winging it, so he got a couple of a couple of lowish scores for the first two. and I think he got two fours, yeah. And carried on. Yep. And then, so um, that was and good. Then and and then and then this trigger went down on his gun, which wasn't good. So he had a real rough start to day one. Um, yeah. I, on the other hand, did a pretty good start. I started with a couple of nines on the two stages I started, which was good. And so then, yeah. So that was stage uh, off the concrete. Was seven. it the first? Yeah. Uh, yeah, seven, I think. 
were they yeah. all 10 round stages they were so there was 20 stages all of them were two uh 10 rounds so it was 200 okay. rounds yeah. for the match yeah and ev- every stage was a minute 45 yeah and no mag changes or you know which leads to a problem later on but we'll talk about that um <clears throat> Where someone ran out of ammo, notionally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was the only other thing. They, they decided to, they, they did 11 stages on day one as well, not in nine on day two. We thought it was going to be 10 and 10, but yeah. Yes, so I'd brought enough rounds for um, 10 stages plus some spares. I wasn't sure how many. I thought I'd, I'd bring 100. And, I thought I'd brought 120 uh, with me for the day. Um, Burned a couple in the morning on the zero range, which was fine. And yeah, went through the day, and we'll get to that part at the at towards the end of the yeah. day. But at the anyway, so I yes. so I started I started on two uh, stage seven and got nine got nine, and then literally as soon as Mark turned up um, and joined me again because he was follow uh, not following me, he was he was hanging around with me. Scott, he was in another squad. Um, then I think I got a six and yeah. I almost told Mark, you can now leave again because <laughs> you're, you're obviously a bad omen. Yeah, actually, um, Carl, Carl Knox, um, told me that was similar shooting with Mark at Tirada, actually. He seems to get less points when Mark's around. Why, what I learned, I learned by observing. So I worked out if I just shut up and not annoy Anthony, then um, it's like I'm not there. So, <clears throat> um, so you know, it's knowing when to say something and when to not, and generally just don't say much, and you're fine. I think both you and I have never really fully understood that concept, Mark. No, it's true, yeah, because no. I can't help but want to talk about something interesting. Hence like... why we have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that, that even though it's very average, we're still charging forward with the 76th episode. <laughs> You but care. let's be fair. I think you were shooting straight into the sun by the stage three, wouldn't you, or even the first couple? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So third third stage, um, we're shooting basically directly east, and the sun yeah. was only just just poking up above the hill, and literally, like you could you could very very roughly make out the targets, <laughs> and it, it was it was very hard to see where you're hitting on the plate at all. Even if you hit the plate, you're just sort of relying on because um, there they wasn't a lot of movement in the plates um, and with the little six mil you couldn't see bugger all especially when it's in a shadow and the sun's shining straight down the barrel of your scope yeah. um, so I was relying on impact calls or not and if I wasn't hitting I couldn't see where I was going to correct so I ended up just bracketing sort of blindly Yeah. and you know, the six I got were probably you know, then I'd try and repeat it and I'd and it would miss, and I'd be like, right, or well, maybe that was too much or too little. So I sort of make, made up the whole stage as I went, basically, which um, wasn't ideal. And a lot of people yeah. had the same um, same issue in, on various stages. There's a lot of stages that shot directly into the sun in the morning, and I think talking to a bunch of guys, they're all like, yeah, in the morning, like, we couldn't even see targets. Like, you know, the guys were just yeah. sort of like, oh, we, we know it's on that rocky face, can't see the target were wasting time and the rest of the targets you'd pan back around to the right and be able to see them so they were just burning shots into the into the bank to you know to move on basically knowing that the, yep. they were sort of still in the cone of fire um 
and just moving on because some of them just you just couldn't see. So uh, how hard in, in general? How, how, for everyone. Yeah, but how hard in general, given the terrain, the colour of the terrain, the and the vegetation and the targets? Did you consider it a harder match to to spot and find targets than than? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got the impression it was I wasn't shooting so, but I was looking at it going. This is man. This would be real hard to find some of them um, if you didn't. You know, you've got to you got to look at a lot of uh, you know um, terrain features or place. You know, fences or tanks or anything to pick out where you need to go prior. So I think it, was that a big focus, trying just making sure you knew where you're going to find them. Yeah. Looking for terrain features, um, the ones that were just like randomly out in the in the middle of the fields that um, were quite hard to see. Uh, not too bad earlier on, on yeah. day one, but once they got shot out and they greyed out because everything was just dusty and dry and and sort of brown. And once the targets greyed out, they just everything blended in. So were the targets yeah. painted at the beginning of the match? They were. You mentioned blue ones you could shoot earlier, but so they they just orange white. What were they? White. white. So they they the blue ones they went and repaint. They basically had to go after Friday and repaint everything because everything got shot to shit. Um, so every on Saturday everything started white, fresh white, okay. and yeah. then that was it. They didn't touch them for the rest of the match. Nice. Um, so yeah, they greyed out pretty fast. By the time we got to basically the fourth or fifth stage, the you, very little white left on most of them. Yeah, um, I, I get what yeah, you're saying, but no. the, the mid range, the sorry, the mid range stuff was probably harder to see because it was just generally in a paddock or in a field. Whereas some of those, like the the, the bare ones, way out left and right, for example, were on prominent like outcrops yeah. type of stuff. So. There's some of those you like that they're, they're not too, even though they're a long way out they're not too hard to find again but yeah the stuff in the in the medium distance often was just you know like a standing hen turkey in a paddock type job it was just yeah not ideal the co- a lot of them were animal silhouettes and the the coyotes so the sitting coyotes and the walking coyotes they were the hardest to see because they're not very um it's not a lot of target. They're either narrow and tall or um, shallow and, and, and wide. And so they get hit basically from edge to edge. And so the, the whole thing will just grey out and you'll just see yeah. something that looks a bit grey and you're like, well, I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, that's whereas it. The, the the bigger targets out on the sort of extremes of the range, the furthest target we saw was 1,017 or 19 yards, I think. And but those were decent size plates, so you're talking like 0.6 sort of squares yeah. or a point, 0.6 sort of bare silhouette, and so they weren't getting shots all over them because they were a little bit bigger, so that they still had a bit of white on them. And because they were up high on the on the well, say up on the ridges, they're hardly hardly <laughs> ridges, but um, yeah, up up on yeah. the mounds of of dirt, yeah, the winter um, range they were mounds definitely, of my place. They were definitely easier to to see, um, and no no to, no target markers or anything like that. No distinguishing features. No boards. Um, yeah, the, the only only the only thing that had numbers was their actual official range, wasn't it? Really, that had well had range yeah. 
Dis- distance markers, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and only a yep. couple of stages utilise targets on the actual sort of their dedicated range targets, I suppose, like sk- uh, skill stage and oh, one other one. Yep. We shot the 900. Um, and then the north range. Well, obviously... mo- most of the north range had little berms because it didn't have any sort of uh, t- terrain features effectively. It was just rolling sort of grassland. So they had little berms scattered through there. So most of the targets that side were on some sort of berm, so that was a bit easier um, in terms of target acquisition. Yeah. And, yeah, so I went through, had a fairly good run on day one, sort of without, I didn't have any incidents, so I chipped away after the first stage that Mark saw, I recovered to get a few good scores, a couple of cleans, I think, on day one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, got to the end of the day. So almost the end of the day, we got to the third to last stage. Uh, by this stage, Scotty had had his trigger malfunction and he'd replaced the trigger. He got a lone one off uh, Phil Vallejo, I think, and banged that in. And then, trigger tech. Yeah, trigger tech, which he hated. Um, <laughs> which I thought, wow, this is one of the best triggers I've ever felt. Anyway. anyway. <clears throat> And so, yeah, his, his rough day continued for a bit, and I had a pretty good day. And then I got to the third to last stage, and I was counting up how many rounds I had left. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm short of rounds for the day. Thinking, how the fuck did this happen? Like, I brought 120. I thought I brought, a, I knew I brought 120, and I burnt two or three in the morning. Yeah, and so there was, short. I, I had 27 rounds left in the box, and I was like, shit, I need 30 rounds. Or 28 in the box, two in the box. I had 28 in the box. I was like, shit, I'm too short. So I said to Mark, yeah. fuck, I'm, I don't have enough rounds to finish the day. And he, he said, oh, God, what do, what do we do? Should I go back to the hotel again and pack up your spare rounds, which which weren't, uh, weren't seated, seated either, so he would have had No. <laughs> weren't seated. So I said, yeah, yeah, righto, do that. Run. So he's like running back to the car because we were across the road on like the furthest point away from the car park. So there was a K and R back to the car park. So he literally runs back to the car, takes off down the road. And then I basically was instantly shooting my third to last stage. And I thought, well, no, nah, I'm not going to make I'll, it. No, there's not, there's not going to have enough time. So I rang him up. He was about 10 minutes down the road. I rang him up and said, hey, come back. Plan B, you're going to get. Yeah, come back, we'll just we'll work something out. So he comes back, he runs all the way back up again, and says, well, what are we doing? And I said, well, can you please just go around to everyone? Like, I've asked everyone in my squad, can you just go around to everyone and see if you can find uh, someone shooting 6BRA with any type of burger? I don't care, just a 105 or 109, whatever. Just tell me what it is and what speed it is, and it'll be close enough. And so Mark asked everyone, basically f- from our squad to five squads back, I think it was. So talk to <laughs> and about. I thought, oh, there surely there must be heaps of six BRA shooters. And there was like none, 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 none in our squad, none, none here, none here. And the first nah. one I ran into, a uh, guy, Matt, I said, what are you shooting? And he's like, uh, 10, was it 105s? Yeah, you're, you're you're 109s. Yeah, he's 105s, yeah. and you told me a velocity, and I said what speed. He's like, 
2835 or something. I was like, yep, that's close. Righto, can I borrow a couple of rounds for another shooter who's we're short? He's like, no, no problem. Just bring back the brass. So I was like, sweet. So we just scribbled on the round so I, we knew which ones they were and I took off, got back to Anthony and uh, he's <laughs> got a bit of a sheepish look on his face. He's like, uh, no, no, I no, I, di- I didn't. No, I didn't at that oh, point. You gave me the round oh, and we're planning... We were oh, planning God. how how I was going to use them for the stage. I was yeah, like, right, sorry. where's the biggest target? Yeah, and then and then I was I was like, right, okay, the last target of the stage is the biggest one. And I went to reach for my mag to load them in first, so obviously they'll be the last ones to use. And I was like, oh, my mag's not in my pocket. Well, I was patting my pockets because I just had my mag in my pocket all day because I was only using one mag um, all day. And I was like patting it and then patted around my back pocket and then instantly realised that I had my spare mag fully loaded in my holster <laughs> and it had been there all day and I'd never I'd never had to touch it. So I, I forgot it was even there. And I was like, oh, shit. And Mark looks at me and goes, what? And I pulled it out. I said, here's all those rounds that I couldn't find. He goes, you're fucking kidding. I said, no. So it was on, it was it was holstered on your hip the whole time. Yeah, my spare mag. Yeah, that I'd loaded, I'd loaded on, I loaded, loaded it in yeah. the morning, as you do, and put it in my holster as my spare. But because we didn't have any two mag stages or no mag change stages, and I didn't need yeah, my spare mag all day, stick to what I'm works. Just fucking, yeah, yeah. I've just forgotten about it, and <laughs> so the look that Mark gave me, I was like, oh man. I, this is not good. Like, <laughs> that was, uh, I don't know, there was some stuff-ups on that trip, but I reckon that was one of the biggest ones. Like, Mark, yeah. Mark was it, not impressed. And then I couldn't remember what the guy looked like or who he was, basically, and I knew his name was Matt, so I was looking at all the mats, and then I tried to work out what, yeah, it took me a fucking the rest of two days to find him again, and I found him at the finale <laughs> dinner. <laughs> and gave him his uh, three round, two round, whatever it was. Loaded rounds. Again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. loaded. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we didn't need them. Thanks a lot. <clears throat> because, oh, I was looking for you. I, was like, oh, that's good. <clears throat> I think it was the just... brass, so I think he was quite keen to get it back. So. He, um, <laughs> you just, I think you told him that. Oh, no, he didn't need them because he timed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to reveal that one, no. Oh, so... Yep, I'd been carrying around the 10 rounds that I was sure that I'd brought with me. I just couldn't work out where they'd gone. I was like, man, the gap, like, where have these rounds... And, yeah, they're on my in my holster the whole time. So, yeah, that's... Was, there would have been, there's, nothing there would have good, been there's nothing good six, about that. <laughs> yeah, no. 6BRA, though. There would have been at least, what, 10 or 15 or 20 people shooting or not? Well, maybe Maybe 20 for the whole lot. I think. Yeah, that's what I thought. I just put a bad luck. Um, I think I ran not, into two. That's, sp- not, that's not many though. Over the whole. No, over the no, no. Whole that's lot. the thing. And I think two of the squads I ran into were mill le ones. So I think they were just um, three oh eight, two d three maybe or whatever they were doing. Yeah. No, no. Mill le can shoot whatever you want. That's oh, a, whatever you like. I see. Yeah. yeah. One of them said we were something something. So there's no way we're going to have it. So I don't know what they were on about. But they said our whole squads whatever so okay tactical uh, probably yeah oh, yeah that'd be it right yeah um, so yeah uh, so that so um, and the 
the other thing, while we were panicking about rounds, I'd neglected to actually do much stage prep for the stage coming up because I was just panicking about not having enough rounds. And then I was looking at who was shooting. I was like, oh, fuck, there's like three shooters and then I'm going. And I looked at the book and it was probably the most technical stage of the whole match. Um, and I really just went into a blind panic and just frantically sort of scribbled stuff on my data card, made some rough notes, quickly took a wind reading, and I was still literally, I was the next shooter to go, and I was standing there, I didn't, I couldn't remember the course of fire, I was just frantically running through it in my head, reading the stage brief still, trying to get it ingrained, because it was a, um... Was it off the rocks? Uh, yeah, the rock one. Yeah. And... Yeah. It ended up being my probably my favourite stage of the match, and it was one of the hardest stages of the matches. And I and I cleaned it luckily. Yeah. And because there was four different positions of four rocks, and every and five different targets out there with a really big, almost ninety degree pan, yeah. um, to to one target, and every rock had different targets in different orders. So there was it was one of the very few stages that didn't have. Uh, a pattern to it yeah um and so i was uh, and you, were panning, pan, asking, you, you were you were panning every second shot were you yeah yeah you, but, you yeah to, sort of yeah 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 um well yeah first rock and last rock where the big pan ah sorry second yeah. rock and last rock but yeah so anyway i was she, was asking me am i ready and i was like oh, i'm not entirely sure and she's like, are you ready? I was like, ran through it really fast one last time in my head. I was like, yes, I'm ready. And then it was really tight for time. Like everyone else in our squad had, in my squad had uh, timed out. So I thought, right, I've got to get going and with us. And yeah. um, hustled, hustled through it and ended up um, being favourite stage of the match. Probably for those reasons because it was you know, just sort of a bit, bit, um, bit rushed. And, but shot it really well, cleaned it. And one of the very few cleans for the for the match for that stage, so I was pretty happy with that. And then even happier that I actually had enough rounds to complete the day one, so that was a plus as well. Um, so yeah, when we're done, we finished. We ran on a bit later, though, hoping to finish by three. And I think we ran till about four thirty because we had a couple of target breakages that they had to shut portions of the yeah. range down for to to fix. Um, one target in particular kept breaking it was a really really small target and the, the literally targets just kept cracking it wasn't standard or anything the target kept breaking so they just um kept taking out brand new targets um, was that on the tree one maybe no nah, that was, nah, was not, you were shooting that, the same target from nine no yeah no no it was the one off no, no. the by the by the hut uh by the pavilion or whatever it was we were shooting off that oh, park yeah. bench, and it was the first one or the second one on first one on that troop line, that real little target. It was about four hundred oh, yeah. yards, and it was just getting hammered yeah, yeah. and snapped off. Um, so yeah, they didn't have to shut the whole range, obviously, because it was split. They just sort of split, uh, shut one portion of that, but it created a real bottleneck. I think when we got there, we ended up with, we were waiting there for about an hour and a half because there were three squads backed up. Yeah, there was about um, 35, 40 of us at one stage, yeah, waiting basically. Just, at one just, just sitting around. 
Um, so there was a good chance. To, that was about midday, so there was a good chance yeah. to just sort of relax and just switch off for a bit and go watch some other stages and some other shooters and um, and then wander back and carry on. So yeah. So anyway, so that was day one done and dusted, and I thought I'd shot pretty good for the day and. Um, and then we headed off. They had a uh, Tate Streeter was doing a barbecue, like a big um, slow cook barbecue thing for for all the shooters at the same place we were on the Friday night. So everyone went there and had uh, uh, yeah slow cook ribs and brisket and that type of thing, which was bloody good. Man, it was good. And pretty much CYA. only that, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, just that. Yeah, and my some, second and meat, well, my second meat only meal <laughs> of the some, week. Some, some sort of some sort of coleslaw that was fifty percent sugar, I think. Yeah, and gone immediately. So, yeah, um, don't mind. Don't and mind then, the diet. and so they released um, they released scores pretty much immediately, as soon as the last tablets in as well. So we're flicking through scores, and I was quite surprised to see. Well, surprised or not, but I was surprised to see myself in 25th um, amongst some pretty big names of the sport. I think I was like one shot behind Austin Bushman. And, yeah. Um, and it was pretty stacked. And I, at that point, I was about like 10, I mean, eight or 10 shots behind, eight or nine maybe, behind the lead. I was like, hmm, that's okay. So I was quite happy about that. Um Overnight, so we had a. I didn't want to hang around at the barbecue for long, so I wanted to actually get get home and get some sleep. I uh, didn't want to repeat a Friday night where Mark just wanted to keep going forever. <laughs> so, that, that's that's missing disinformation, but carry on. That's <laughs> not. Um, so we ended up we ended up heading back fairly early. I think we we're home at the motel at oh, about eight thirty. I think. Yeah. And quick sort of gear. Um, yeah, round up a gear, blow all the dust off everything because man, it was just dusty and shit. So, gave the chamber a clean, the throat a bit of a clean, and the gun, um, and seated all my rounds for the next day. Uh, Scott, on, Scott, Scott on his day. Yeah, and, he gave uh, us the rundown of his day, which started very poorly and ended fairly averagely. He wasn't happy with his day, but that's fine. Um, it was two hundred and twenty something. Yeah. yeah. After day Possibly, one. Yeah. Yeah. And I was he picked he actually picked up sixty. Yeah. So anyway, yep. Um, but he's a bit uh, dejected. But uh, anyway, he um, will find out for day two. Yeah. So in a good well, we didn't really have a good night's sleep because while me and Scotty were finishing, we were cleaning our guns. <laughs> Mark just fell asleep on the bed with his shoes and everything on and just was snoring like you've never heard. So the, like, the, this, this is a standard thing, isn't it, Mark? Oh. He, he well, fell asleep on... Run, around, he fell run as- around all day for trivial problems, you're going to fall asleep. <laughs> he fell asleep on Wilkie's bed one time. Wilkie had to sleep somewhere else. Same thing, fully clothed, gump, like boots on. And then oh. hectic snoring, and then he, he all of a sudden gets up a couple hours later, like grumble, 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 and then just tears off out the door, never to be seen again. No, and then yeah. and then ended up in 
in my room fell and did, and just did the same thing there. <laughs> that was an incendiary. Yeah, you just yeah. bad for it. And the next day, so, he's like, "Why is there seven hundred dollars on my credit card?" But anyway. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's real popular with the Australian crew. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't worry, don't everyone. Worry. Dinner's on me. Dinner's on, I've, I've never met you guys, but I'll pay for it all. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> you reap um, what you sow, Graham. It'll come back to me one day. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it will. That $700 <laughs> or next time we go to Australia. Uh, so... Yeah. So we spent forty five minutes basically trying to shut Mark up, and he just pa- he just passed out into into a snoring coma. And with at one point we we're getting ready to actually throw stuff at you, and then we like got to the point where we yelling. I was like, Mark, Mark, shut up! And you, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> and then, and then we actually got to sleep. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Then you actually rolled onto your side, and we got some sleep. So that was good. Um, it didn't help that one of us thought uh, Daylight Savings was ending and we had to go we were losing an hour's sleep but we actually gained it uh, yeah so Daylight Saving ended Saturday night in America or that part of America anyway Kansas and there was a great big debate between Scott and us (laughs) which way the clocks were going He, he was convinced we were losing an hour's sleep I was like no no no, we're going to be it's even like, no, darker. No, no. Yeah, we're not turning up. Shooting well, it was already we're dark. shooting in pitch black. Yeah. So, obviously, your phones change, and we had a, an old alarm clock in the room. So, we put that f- Ford or whatever the hell we did to actually be the proper, t- you know, to be the proper mm. time that it will be in the morning. And we woke up. It was lighter, and we woke, and then Scott just panicked, thinking we were late. I was like, "No, no, no, no it's, it's, we've got an hour's extra sleep," and we he just he couldn't work it out. But so that's fine. So better than losing the hour anyway. So we rolled up um, about seven o'clock again, day two. Yeah, yeah. And match was starting like you, there was no brief, no nothing. You just turned up, you went straight to your stage. On day two, and basically uh, when when everyone was there, you got going. Um, so we were, where were we? Was it no truck but, deck? Um, no, the one before, just base uh, that before. prone, prone oh. big small troop line. Yep, 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 yep. Um, and it was just dead calm, dead calm, and there was no nothing, like absolutely nothing. And so the perfect prone stage to start, you know, get rid of the nerves. Um, so I cleaned the first two stages and then dropped one point on the third stage off the digger. Off the digger bucket, um, yeah, last shot. Yeah, and then the wind started to pick up just a little bit. Not much, but just just enough. And it, was just, it just built both days through to the afternoon and ended up quite strong. Um, so then we went from stage 20 all the way to stage one, which was the rooftop, so my fourth stage for the day. Um, and at that point, we hadn't seen Scotty. We had no idea how he was getting on, but it turns out he had a really, really good day um, all yeah. day on, on Sunday. So that was good. Um, and, yeah, rooftop, 
and I'd shot off it on the Friday, and I wasn't super comfortable on it because it was a really steep rooftop, and we only had a fairly big target to shoot at on the Friday off it. And the wobble zone wasn't amazing, and I thought, hmm. And we could see the other targets up on the hill face, and we assumed that was them, and then everyone else was shooting them anyway um, on the Friday. But so we assumed it was them, and I had a look at them through the scope, and there were some pretty small targets. There were some little animal silhouettes, and they're all about 500 yards, and then a, a KYL rack, like a fairly spread out KYL, um, which went from like a point five plate down to a point three or two I think was the last one yeah and I thought well my wobble wasn't that good on Friday I need to just sort of do something about that today and I was watching a guy use this big giant wedge bag it was huge like really really big probably like 800 mils by 800 mils like really big yeah. bag and it was sort of a triangle three, shape three, yeah and three steps in it uh, yeah on the, on the sloping side yeah yeah, so I was watching them use it. They basically were just, it made it like a flat bench. And I thought, oh, it looks all right. I'll just see if I can borrow that. So I asked them if I could borrow it. And of course, there was no problem. Um, and that's that's like amateur hour 101, like using something, a bit of gear you've <laughs> never used before in the middle of a match. And I, I just assumed it'd be real good. I was like, how can this go wrong? It's a big solid bag. You just. You got rear support effectively on the rooftop then. Um, should be golden. So I jumped, times that I was ready to go and had a good plan, had a good win plan and jumped up there. And first few targets were big enough to sort of soak up um, the alarming amount of wobble I actually had. And I was like, why is this so shit? Like, I, can't, I just couldn't figure out how to make it better. I couldn't figure out if I needed to put less pressure on the bag more pressure yeah. on the bag and sort of lean into it and puff it up. And if I did that, I was sort of loading the gun a bit by default and I couldn't work out, I just couldn't work out how to make it, how to use it properly. And I got away with the first uh, four shots and then, and I was struggling to read because the gun wasn't, I couldn't stop the gun either. So by the time the bullet was impacting the target, I the reticle was still moving. Yeah. And so I was struggling to see exactly where I was hitting. And I sort of had a rough idea. I was like, oh, I think I'm favoring right, but I need to come left. And then overcorrected on the fifth target, I missed off left. Um, but couldn't even see where because it was in a bit of a shadow. And I thought, oh, right, I need to come back right a bit. for the. And then we came down. The last five shots were on the KYL sort of troop line thing. Yeah. And I just could not and hit the first target like the point five. I just had no idea what was going on. I looked at my data I was like no that data's right for that distance so I, I'm just quietly panicking I couldn't work out if the going left right high low because I just couldn't drive the gun properly and eventually ended up hitting it on my last shot and that was a hit to the animal silhouettes were to shoot to move so you just had to work through the five animal silhouettes at different distances yeah. And then once you got to the KYL rack, it was a hit to move. Thank fuck, because I wouldn't have hit anything if it was a shoot to move. Um, <laughs> and I was just, I had, I was running, I was running a 12 round mag um, over there and I had extra rounds in my, and I just, I wasn't, I had no clue what shot I was up to either. And I thought I'd hit it, I hit it and then hit the second one with another shot and they're like, 
and I was just closing the bowl on the third shot, and you're like, and they're like, oh, you're up to your twelfth round. I was like, oh fuck, am I? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I stopped. Um, ended up on five, and that was my worst stage, basically, in terms of my performance for the whole match. And it, did, it wasn't it was, a hard stage. It was bookended by the fact that Marcus from uh, Austria cleared it before you, so he always sort of shot before you. Which was an indicator on how he went in general. Would, yeah, would tell you, I don't know, some some read on difficulty, maybe you know, type of thing. So yeah, I think well, that, you went into you went into that stage going, okay, well, Marcus has cleared it, so we're, we're not go. gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk down on Marcus, but he finished no, no, no. the match in in two hundred and something. He, yeah, he had some fairly average stages, and he cleared it, and I was using a similar bag setup. And I thought, right, well, yeah, this, yeah. Sh- this should be golden. Um, and no, it turns out it was real shit. So I need to build myself a rooftop. And <laughs> We've got one in parts so, you can have. Yeah. <laughs> it's sp- spread around the swamp and the hay paddock. Yeah, and it's been run over by a couple of mowers. But... Oh, I have mowed parts of it too, but, you know, I think we need a new um, one anyway. Yeah, we do. Well, Mark... Ma- Mark, interestingly, got some really close-up photography of the uh, ramp, but we that's, that's, that's another story. Yeah, I heard yeah. that was potentially um, incriminating. <laughs> yeah. I tended to... T- I took a photo of a stage just to make sure, you know, so... He, he told me... The, he told me the, the, in- <laughs> the zoom was stuck on his camera. Like, it, just, <clears throat> it was really zoomed in, and he couldn't figure out how to unzoom the image. Yeah. So he yeah. zoomed more. So there was people. I, I there don't was, know how to operate it. There was people behind you when you were taking that photo and a video. I may add, like wondering what the fuck was going on. But <coughs> it's we're not. We're moving on from that. We're moving on. It's, <laughs> hey, I've I've gained a new friend out of it. All right. Yeah. And a restraining um, order. Like. <laughs> and 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 no, it wasn't Marcus the Austrian. <laughs> no, I know that would be the obvious one. But no. Um, yeah. So I was really fucking pissed off after that stage. Like that was a stage that was very cleanable, and or at least a nine. Like the little target was a challenge, and uh, with the wind, because the wind was just enough that the little target was going to be a challenge regardless. But. Uh, for every, there was no excuse for I should have thrown the bag away and just treated it like a normal barricade um, but I just persevered with stuff that I wasn't familiar with and so lesson out of that is don't do it like if you look at it and you don't have a bit of gear don't borrow someone else's unless you've borrowed it before and you're familiar with it and you practice with it because that was a yeah, it's terrible a good, it's idea a good, it's such a good point and I don't know, I've done it before, and I've lent people stuff, and you look, see them fumbling around with it, and just, and they, even my trigger stick, which I thought was so simple, but people just can't operate it, start tugging on the legs of it, type of thing. So, and it just becomes a hindrance. So, I mean, bags yeah. are a bit different. I mean, that bag was getting used quite a lot. Like people were borrowing it or the same, you know, version. Yeah, but so. obviously there was there was a few of them around and people just grabbed like they're obviously a well known bit of kit to use over yeah. there. Like yeah. they're available, people use them all the time. I've never seen one like that before. I was like, man, that thing's fucking huge. Like yeah. that looks that looks awesome. 
Um, and it will be if you know how to use it. Yeah, if you get, get and, used to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so we moved on from that and we had the digger stage, uh, the, the bulldozer that we shot off. Um, and that was a hard stage. Like By now, the wind is really up. Like, and we're shooting out, we're in the, the more exposed part of the range with some big panning stages. So wind became very, very important. Um, a lot of the targets were not... Like they were very hittable if you were close with your wind call. Most of the yeah. uh, most of the troop line stages had sort of ipsix that would be reasonably high. You'd get like point six or point eight of elevation. Yeah, but you'd only have point three or point four of windage, so you could afford to be out on your or a bit of wobble up and down, but you couldn't afford to be out on your windage. And a lot of them were in positions that gave enough feedback if you're watching carefully that you could make a correction and then a couple were just in spots that was impossible like just yeah. really dark shadows um or and you just or thick grass and you couldn't see shit uh so those ones but they'd make sure that would be after like two targets that could give you good feedback that was on a gravelly bit or a dusty bit um so you could if you weren't hitting you could see where you were missing at least and then engage the target that was impossible to see anything yeah so then they didn't make sure they made sure that wasn't like the first target of a, of your stage uh, which was quite good and then once again if you yeah, had the animal silhouettes like the walking coyote really wide like 0.8 wide but they're only about 0.2 deep through the through the middle of them so, and or you get lucky and hit a leg or something like that or a head or a tail yeah, but they were hard but to tiny. see they were very hard to see and very very hard to hit too um because your your elevation had to be absolutely spot on and with that much wind then things like aerodynamic jump and stuff come into play so if you don't have the right wind speed right wind angle and stuff like if your wind elevation uh, your aerodynamic jump is out by a tenth which could easily be you're 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 not hitting those targets you're yeah. just going to go above or below, and if you miss above or below where those coyotes were, you ain't seeing anything. Like you just see a dust cloud appear, and you have no clue where it's come from, because um, they're up on high sort of stands just in the middle so of the, the grass. So the bulldozer, you staged your rifle up on it, didn't you? And then you, then you climbed up. Yeah, the they didn't want you climbing up with the gun. So no, no. put it up there. No. You weren't allowed to look through the glass. You just had to chuck it, chuck it up there, chuck you on your bag or yeah. your bike or whatever you're doing, and then jumped down and then on the clock you got up and, and got on glass and it was a bit of a it was quite a big panning sort of troop line um stage you had to go one shot on each target out and then come back and go one shot each target out again so you didn't get a follow-up shot which made it even more important to see where that round was going uh, and yep. and then apply to the, the next target so i got a seven on that which i wasn't too unhappy about the one I was unhappy about is I missed the very first shot, which I held uh, 0.5, and it probably only needed 0.3, but I saw it, yeah. and then I was happy. I yeah, hit, hit the next ones after that. Yeah, the next uh, three or four, I think, after that. Was it a harder um, one to pan off, the, the, the slope of the... No, it was it, nah, the nah, trick it wasn't nah. too bad, was it? No. No, nah, it was fine. No, it's it just ta- target acquisition. Yeah, solid is. Just target yeah. acquisition, just remembering where they are. Um, 
and because all that side of the range just blends into nothing unless the targets are up on that back sort of ridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're way out. Yeah. So the next stage, which was the uh, I think the Ute deck slash bomber. yeah Ute Ute deck that had been shot shot at <clears throat> extremely close range on the Friday. Ouch! Oh, someone someone, someone shot the deck of the Ute. Yes. It had a steel a steel flip over frame, so quite heavy steel they shot, oh. um, like a like a trash um, bin like um, a arm that comes over, and so probably it was probably four four inch box section. Yeah, and uh, they obviously used a bag instead of a bipod and put a round into this box section straight through it. Yeah, <clears throat> um, which was which I photographed a meter would have been a meter in front of the muzzle. Yeah. And it was a it was Robert Brantley shooting. I think it's the one six six A tips in his three oh eight. So big bullet, <laughs> aluminium tip, aluminium tip got punched punched punch. through nicely. Yeah, got through nicely, clean. So how did the truck deck go? Our truck deck went well. I got a nine on that. Um, yeah. Was big, big, small at about five hundred and twenty yards, and then a single circle at six forty. And I missed the first shot on six forty. I sort of rolled, rolled my wind call over. It was a bit of a pan and a bit of distance, and I added the added the point two and that I needed to add, and I needed to add point four. So I just didn't, wasn't quite enough. Slipped the edge, and it wasn't a wasn't a massive circle. It was a point four circle. So if you're yeah. off by a little bit, you're going to miss. Uh, and once again, the stage that I like, you know, the plenty of movement, different target orders from each position, um, and quite tight for time. So I quite like those ones. So that was a good stage. And by now, yeah. the wind is really sort of moving. The the circle was out at 640 metres, and I was up to about a mil at that point there. Yeah, and um, the orientation we're on, it was coming pretty... It was full value, yeah, yeah, full value yeah, from yeah. 3 o'clock at this point. Yeah, and fairly consistent. Yeah. Uh, then we move to the the oil rig, the and Derek. Once again, it was fairly simple stage. Five positions, two shots from each position, a big and a small. Yeah, quite a bit of, of choice. Yeah, lots of choice where you could go. Some positions were better than others. All of them were really awkward because there was a bit of um, a bit of mm. like the steel footing, I suppose, of it stuck out right where you wanted to put your knee, like big twelve-inch pipe, and it was right yeah. where you wanted to put your knees or your feet if you were standing or kneeling. So you had to straddle it on a sort of weird forty-five angle or lean over it or sit in behind it or in front of it or people were doing all sorts of stuff but i just yeah chose people's best of... laid plans fell apart because they didn't count they didn't factor that in or couldn't yeah when there, yeah. there was a lot of awkwardness on that stage um we've spent quite a bit of time on that on friday for that reason so i had a fairly good plan um, yeah we conversation with a couple of the top US guys who were shooting at the same time on Friday about how the best to where to put your feet and stuff like that and we I sort of had an idea they had an idea and we tried both and worked out what would work best and I just ran that on the Sunday and it, and it did work well yeah um, 
and so the targets were a Ipsic, full-size Ipsic, so pretty big, at 680, and then it had a small circle head target above it. And, yes, they're fine using that terminology over there. It's very much called a head target, headshot, headshot target, um, which was 0.3 circle, and the Ipsic was about 0.5 wide, but really deep, like 0.8 deep. So big target to get your first shot on. So it was... Five positions you had to engage the Ipsic, then the then the head. Um, and by now the wind is really starting to move. And I thought, okay, this is... I never do it, but because it's a static target, like one target, and camp's going to be a bit of an issue on that small one. If you're not quite canted, you have the risk of... If you're canted a bit, you'd run the risk of going high or low when you're holding that yeah. much wind because we're out over a mill. Um thought, well, I'm going to dial it. So I dialed 1.2 into the gun, and I thought, I'll just correct off that if needed. And so first couple of shots hit, no worries, so that's fine. And I was just reading the plate, um, you know, making small 0.1.2 corrections here and there. And then the fourth shot, I, at the so that was at the fifth shot, sorry. So I'd hit, got the third position. First yep. shot at the Ipsic, the spray comes up from the Ipsic, like the big spray in the dirt, like two mils to way, the right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Way right. And I was like, what? Shit. That, and I called it straight away. I said, that must be an edge hit. And yeah. I, I don't throw that out. Like, I'll only say it if I'm convinced <laughs> that it was an edge hit, right? It's, yeah. Um, so I was like, there has to be. So I called it out and there was other guys on glass from our squad and they were watching and so i was like right well that would have hit the edge i'll take point three off and i so i did that and hit the like center punch the the little target going off yep. that correction and then i just ran with that making you know my little corrections to the rest of the stage and hit all the rest and i said to the spotter i was like man he goes oh i got you for a nine i said man i, I really want to debate that that fifth shot because that spray was like two mils right. And he said, yeah, no, I saw it. Not a hit, though. And I said, well, how how can, like, what else is it if it didn't glance the side? And he said, well, now, nah, for that shot, he said, the grass was just ripping bloody right to left, like wind was going, mirage was going. He said, just before you broke that shot, like everything just reversed. The grass leaned <laughs> over the other way. The, revert, the, the mirage went the other way. And then your trace and everything went off to the right. I was like, Oh, respectfully, no, it fucking didn't. <laughs> and he, and he, he just didn't want to have a bar with you. He was just like, nah, you got a nine, accept your score. And I was like, nah. <laughs> and um, I can't remember who it was. So, um, might have been the owner of Hawkins Precision, I think. And George Gardner was the RO. And George yeah. didn't want to have a bar of it. He was just like, nah, next shooter, like, accept your score, need the next shooter. And I was just like, man. they're hard over here so I just basically had to accept it and move on and there was other guys on glass and they're like no no there was an edge hit and I was like yeah well I know but fuck what do you do so I found I was a little bit robbed there it was a bizarre excuse I mean the guy saying that the wind I just saw the wind totally switch (laughs) direction for your shot it's it's just like it's just like moving yeah it's it's just been sitting for basically an hour and a half at three o'clock at 16 mile an hour 
and yeah. then oh just just for that shot everything just went the complete opposite direction i was like no no it didn't but anyway, anyway. the call, call's the call i don't like arguing yeah. about it too much so i thought oh well, that's fine move on nine on nine you got to test them out though because you don't you don't know well i'm saying yeah <clears throat> what their threshold is for for debate you know on a on a on a point or a score you gotta, yeah. If you don't try, you don't know, do you? So that's right. Um, it's probably not the match they're going to be giving points away. No. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Um, then we went to right. So the very next stage was the one out of the SUV, the back of the SUV, which was always going to be a challenging stage because it's big, big pan, like really big pan, probably. Well, it'd be more than ninety degrees. It would have been a hundred degree pan, I reckon, from one from the extreme left to extreme right. And I've never written down more wind columns in my life. Like my data card was tiny writing, just filled with wind scenarios, different mile per hour brackets, because um, the angles were just so different on these targets. And they were they were pretty far out there. I think the closest target was six hundred yards, and it went out to eight hundred and thirty. So, and there was five different targets on. Um, and you're shooting an awkward prone from the back of an SUV that was on a downhill angle, so you need your bipod real high and your, and your bag real low, and your feet were sort of caught up on the side and on the seats and stuff, and you had to stage your rifle in first, and then you climbed in from the side once your time began, built your position, and away you went. And it was just yeah. two shots... It moved, obviously, as well. Yeah, and it had a slight wobble to it because it was a car. Um, so yeah. already a fairly hard stage. And so I started shooting at Israel. I was seeing, seeing impacts and, and misses and correcting and then ended up at one point on the far left-hand bear, which was the one that was exposed to pretty much all the wind, um, had the full value wind and it was way, way up it was up on a ridge so it was fully exposed um ended up at 2.2 mils of wind to hit it which was a lot at 820 yards yeah at that distance so i guess yeah. the wind's moving by this point and you only get two shots so i put one point it was 0.6 wide and i was like well there's not going to be more than I thought there's not going to be more than two mils of wind up there. When I, and I was looking at my um, data card, I was like, right now that highest bracket, like 18 to 20 mile an hour bracket, only goes to 1.8. So yeah. there's no way, and it's wide enough. I thought if I put 1.4, and I was convinced it was probably more than 1.4. So if I put 1.4 on its ass, like on the right edge, yeah, I had up to two mils on its nose. So I thought there's no way I can't hit it in there, and I didn't hit it. <laughs> <laughs> straight off straight off the nose and I was like right that's 2.2 so second shot hit at centre yeah. and then you went from that to the next bear which was the big sort of 100 degree pan around to your right which you, you've gone from basically a full value to now almost no wind and it's a further target and I was only holding 0.4 to hit it Yeah. so it was a really really challenging stage from that um, perspective and on the th- once again third target, I hit it with my first shot. My second shot, 
spray was way out, like three, four mils out to the right. And the yeah. target, I I saw the target shudder a bit. I was like, no, that, that is an actual edge hit. Like, that, there's no way that can't be. And I once again called it at the time. So this is two stages in a row. And I was like, man, I um, this is becoming a bit of a habit, just calling for edge hits. So after the stage, I was the last shooter. So everyone else had moved off. Ah, uh, second to last shooter. No, second to last shooter. So basically everyone else had moved off. So I had no one else on glass to back me up. Mark was filming me, so he wasn't watching. And the arrow and the spotter were both on glass, and they both they said, "Oh, we've got you for a four. And I was like, "No, no, no, that that sixth shot, edge shot, hundred percent edge shot." I said, "Did you see where it landed?" And they're like, "Yeah, it's like four mils to the right." And I was like, "Yeah, that has to be an edge shot." And the the arrow said, "No, you just must. You just would have held your wind the wrong way." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> I said, I just hit it the shot before. Like, I'm not changing, like, literally just racking the bolt and seeing the same shot. I'm yeah. not, it was, a st- it was a standing coyote, so it was very, very narrow. It was only 0.3 wide, so. Which I think easily... that piece, that piece of logic got them, I think, because, yeah, when you said that, yeah. Yeah, and, and they're like, no, no, just, but they wouldn't back down. It was like the stage before, they just wouldn't back down. They're like, no, no, we, we're not giving it to you. It wasn't, it was, yeah, we don't know what happened, but it wasn't an edge hit. The target didn't move. I was like, I saw the target move. And I said, who else was on glass? And the arrow said, oh, I was watching as well. And I said, and both of you didn't see it move. And both of you saw the splash, though, but are convinced it's not an edge hit. I said, how can it not be? And I just, after, I was barred up after the last one. I was like, like, fuck, I'm letting two, you know, I'm not losing two hits. Yeah. So I just stood there and argued. And... It went on for about seven or eight minutes. And they're like, man, we need to get the last shooter through. You need to approve your score. I said, I'm not approving the score because that was not my score. I got that hit. And eventually they gave in and gave me the hit. And it's not as I was arguing for a hit that I didn't genuinely think I got. Because um, there's just no way that didn't clip the edge. Yeah. And so I was quite happy after that that I got it, even though it's five on that stage, it was still fairly poor, but it was better than a four. Uh, up until that point, I think only six people in the entire match had cleared that stage, so uh, and that would have and been. Where the, and, and where were the and where were the second last squad? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, well, I'm assuming when there was no wind early morning, they would have been not so, yeah. you know, totally different yeah. stage. Well, like like every stage, but. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, so when we went through, basically two hundred and twenty other shooters had gone through, and only six people or so had cleared it. So it was yeah. um, it was a hard stage at the best of times, anyway. So I was like, no, nah, we're gonna argue for this, and and I got it. And um, yeah, you felt you feel like a bit of a dick for having to argue that much, but I wasn't letting it go. If I if I'd got given the one before. Yeah, you know, I might not have pushed so hard, but because I've been denied a very clear hit this stage before, I was like, nah, yeah. bugger, bugger this. Um, and yeah, and so that was our second last stage, and last stage of the day, we finished on stage six, which was the new skill stage, uh, which was also the tiebreaker. Um, and well, there couldn't have been worse conditions to shoot it in, to be fair. <laughs> Yeah, this this was my favourite stage because I think 
the pressure was on, the previous shooters in our squad all massively struggled on it and timed out most of the time. So carry on. I think I was a was I last shooter, second to last shooter, second to last, Just about, last yeah. one yeah. of them. Yeah. So 12, 12 shooters had gone before me, and I think the high score was six or five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't great. On a skill and stage, were you supposed to nail it? Yeah. Yeah, well, they've made them. They've made it hard now, and I think this is going to be the difference going forward. They've reduced the target size. It's still, it was 400 yard, 500 yard, and so basically the same concept for anyone that's familiar with skills two. It's a skills two barricade. You shoot it more or less the same you do your same four positions but it's near far from every position so 400 500 move position and it's a wee pan in there as well and then you come back to wherever you start you come back to that position for your fifth position so it's still 10 shots yeah and the 500 yard target was so they used to be both uh well the skills two target used to be 10 inches at 400 yards um, and they've reduced them both to 8 inches now. So the 8-inch one at 500 is getting fairly small. Like, it doesn't yeah. look big in the scope. And so that was the only tie-break stage for the whole match. And I thought, well, you know, knowing that history of American matches, how tight the scores are, there's normally, it's not uncommon to see a 6 or 7 or 8 shooter tie. Um on for some, you know, on a certain score, this is the stage that you I really really cannot drop any shots. I really no. don't want to. I, want, I didn't give a shit about the time because the conditions were terrible. Um, you know, we had consistent sort of sixteen to eighteen mile an hour winds from about one thirty, and it was swapping from sort of one thirty to almost nose on and back to one thirty. And I thought this is this is not cool. Um, and a few guys were complaining about the guns getting buffeted on the barricade because it was exposed. Yeah, it's not under a roof. Um, so that right, I haven't done it all mad. Well, I did it on one other stage, but I thought right, I'm gonna tripod rear it and just get all the hits. I wanted to hold over as well because I knew did with you, the tripod. Did you borrow? Like, did you borrow an Arca front bag as well? Yeah, because um, I don't. Yeah, I didn't have one yeah. over there, so I had to borrow no. one from someone um, and someone's yeah. tripod because mine's got yeah. steel feet on it. And this stage was on one of the two stages for the whole match that were on concrete. On concrete. So yeah, I had to find mine with rubber feet. Um, and yeah, because I was then at that point, because I thought, well, I'm d- dealing with a tripod, I can't afford to uh, dial either, so I'm going to have to hold, um, hold over. For, for the far target, which was a 0.8 split, so a nice clean hold. Yeah. And because I was holding over then, I thought, well, I'm going to have to... I dialed some wind as well. I dialed wind for the first target, which was 0.3 or 4, and then the far target was going to be hold over 0.8 and put that on the left edge or right edge, I can't remember. Yeah. And uh, and hopefully that's okay, and then I didn't have to didn't have to take my hand off the tripod. I could just drag it around and and do that. And so I managed to get through. We had 105 second par time, and I finished in 102 point something with the tripod and got all the hits. So that was 
fairly important because when the final results came out, I think there was six or seven of us tied on the same score. Yeah. And I ended up being like second one on that score only because of time. And everyone else behind me that I talked, I talked to them, everyone else who was tied on my score, um, they'd missed a shot on that stage or two. Yeah. So it ended up a good decision to to do what I did, and yeah, bit of strategy, quite a lot of time thinking about because obviously it was last shooter, and I was watching everyone else throw one, so I had a lot of time to plan it, think about it, and because it's the last stage, and yeah, and I wanted to finish on a high, I did, I did feel a bit of pressure on that one. It's probably one of the only stages I felt pressure on to do okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and, and it ended uh, up good. So. Yeah. But the win was up to a point where it was buffeting you as a shooter, wasn't it? In terms of yeah, like, if you were, yeah, 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 it was like buffeting you, the gun and the shooter. Yeah. Like you were getting pushed yeah. around, the gun yeah. was getting pushed around, and that was and the target was the five hundred yard target was small enough that you couldn't afford any of that. No. Um, no. So yeah, yeah so finished that. Had five or six spare rounds left, so but. Once everyone had finished, just burnt them off at the skills target for me to get rid of them. Um, you also almost cleaned your six-round stage at the end of the match until the last shot. I did. Yeah, last shot. <laughs> That's not like you, Mark. That's good. Shanked it. <laughs> Shanked it. Did a victory lap before it even finished. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so... Yeah, that was that was the match. Uh, we caught up with Scotty. He had a real good day, real yeah. like, real good day. I dropped fourteen, I think, for the day, and he dropped uh, nine. Uh, 10. Ten, ten it was. Ten, no, ten. ten. Yep. yep, ten. So he had a he had an outstanding day. Um, and good for him after the first day because that would have been shit. Yeah. So to me, <laughs> to mental mentally not be in a position to give up, you know, to actually push on and and shoot really well like that on the second day is actually really really good. So. Yeah, I wouldn't have um, had a day two like that. I can tell you that. I've been crying so, in my cornflakes. <clears throat> so at this point, because we'd only shot nine stages, it was about we had finished, and it was two thirty. I think it was real. Yeah. Um. So we had time to kill. So we packed up slowly. Uh. Then we lost Scotty somehow. Had to wait around. We walked around for ages trying to find him, like an hour. Did you go back and look in the hotel room? (laughs) No, I didn't do it this time. We didn't look in the portal portaloos either. Yeah, or the lost and found area. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, but he turned up eventually, and we wanted to go. So we're still by then. It was still like four o'clock only, and prize giving wasn't till well. Yeah, the banquet didn't start until five thirty. At, um, down the road so we went back to Medicine Lodge and loitered around there for a bit and then found a little shaded pull off sort of rest area and just pulled up there and had a bit wee siesta for about 40 minutes a shaded pull off rest area that doesn't sound good <laughs> uh, <coughs> anyway and after, after, we'd fi- after we'd finished that in the pull off rest yes. area we um it's a Kansas thing, right? <laughs> so, so, okay, so you finished the match, you pulled off in the rest area, and then got <laughs> yep. to dinner. Right. Yeah. Yes. St- yes. Standard stuff. This standard yep. stuff. Uh, so we went off to the where the 
the where the banquet was going to be, and that still wasn't open, so we waited there for another twenty minutes um, before they let us in. And basically, yeah, got out, grabbed a table, and then listened to the formalities. And man, is it a like? I know it's the final and stuff, but they man, do they make it a big deal. Like, I, they really... I tried to watch the live thing, but by God, it was long. Yeah, yeah. Anthony said to me, "This is going to take a long time because they'll thank everyone." I was like, "Oh yeah," and I was like, "Wow, this is good." <clears throat> it was. I don't. Th- I think Mark thought a long time was going to be like thirty minutes, and then yeah, when Ken started his speech, I think Mark said, oh. thinks about thirty seconds is a long time. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so when, told me. when Ken got up and started speaking. And when he said, oh, you know, bear with me, because this will probably go on for three or so hours. And Mark's face was like, what? <laughs> three hours? What are, you, what are you talking about? And it, it would have been all of that, and then some. And and not in a, not boring at all. Yeah, they go through, and, they, and they're very careful to thank everyone involved, you know, for the year, like every sponsor, and they bring them up on stage, and they thank them and give them a trophy and stuff like that, and... Yeah. Then they do match director of the year categories and um, did you all win that? Sorts of did stuff. you win that, Mark? You, did you win the? Or did I, I went up to receive my award and they turned me back. They weren't like, sure who you oh, were. Oh, okay. You know, you know when you you've tried up on stage and they go, sorry, no, no, you, they haven't announced your name, sir. Oh, okay. I did get on the stage well, and was going to make a speech. You did, but... Yeah, you did end up standing right in the centre of the stage. <laughs> pulled pulled your phone out, took a video of everyone. And then wandered Walked over back to the to the lectern and was about to say something, but thought better yeah, of it. Then didn't. And yeah. So that would have been the highlight. Should have. Should have. That's, bef- that's before the formalities started. So um, outstanding feed too. It was a good feed. Very good feed. Very good. And at, at this point, like before we'd even got to there, while we were still in the uh, pull-off area. The rest area, the the, sh- the shaded pull off area, whatever the whatever the wherever the hell we were, um, yes. match res- match results were out. So we we'd already had a good look at the match results. Everyone knew where they'd finished. Everyone knew with what they'd won, where they'd finished. Um, series results and everything were published straight away. So there's no there's no suspense about waiting no. prize hearing to see where you finished. Like that was well and truly. Done and done. No done, looking so. surprised. Yeah. No. Um, and then yeah, once once Ken finished the the formalities and the and thank yous and all of that, um, they got through into the actual match results, and yeah, went went through that. So so categories and then actual match results and then series after that. Yeah. Um, so, Mark, you, you sent through some photos of um, uh, the guys shooting semi-automatics. Were they in the same squad as you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we had pretty much all the gas gun yep, finalists the gas in our guns. squad. Yeah. So um, basically spent a lot of time yakking to them and talking about their rifles, but they're interesting setups. I mean, as they said, one of them doesn't perfect... It's his, well, it's what he, his business is building those, I guess, accurized AR-10s. Um, there was six by forty seven, six arc, 
few other I didn't ask what the other few others were. There's I think uh yeah, but they were certainly um like Anthony was talking to one and he had um if he shot off his bipod it was half a mil different <laughs> to, to what shooting off a bag, just the way the forehand and everything interact with the barrel system and everything. So um yeah, interesting guns. Um and they, they, yeah, have a, like, they have a hard job keeping up with the bolt gun. So the top yeah. place gas gun for the match and the, the same guy who basically has won every gas gun match that he's entered this year, finished the series on 500 points, won the finale, won the series. I think he finished 190th for the match. Yeah. So yeah. they're a long way behind the bolt guns. Yeah, And I can't really remember them... Um, yeah, any any of them in particular having consistent close to clearing stages to a lot of the time. So they'd often, you know, um seemed like they got underway all right and then they'd sort of yeah, just fall apart at the end of it sort of thing. Don't know whether that's to do with how they shoot, whatever the other the type of the the setup of the rifles. But um they're all they're, they were suppressed mostly, um, which is about the only things in the entire match that would have been suppressed. So and with the brass catches um, hanging off the side. All of them, I must say, all of them. I saw them, I was in the same squad with them last year as well, and I was watching them run brass catches, and all I was thinking is that, well, because I've, I've never really dealt with semis before, like AR-15s and stuff. I've never had one before the buyback, so I don't really know you know, too much about them anyway. Never used them. Yeah. Um, but, so the only thing semi-automatic that I've seen is... 22s and those yeah we know how horribly unreliable they can be at times and when you see the the big gas guns using brass catches you're like oh what happens if they have a jam or something like that like because they're they're really they're not just they're a bit of a thing to take on and off like you think they'd be real easy but they don't want them flapping around so they're actually clipped in place pretty heavily and but i didn't see one misfeed one malfunction one that didn't eject one that no uh, there was not yeah. one issue for the whole match no um and even the guy who won the set the series winner the guy jeff his one had a pretty slick brass catcher like it it rotated forward quite easily so if he had an issue he could get into it right. but the other some of the others were um clip-ons yeah it was just essentially, yeah, we're not flash. You basically have to rip them off to get into it to fix it if you had a problem. But they didn't seem to have any, so. No. Um, uh, so, yeah, the. So, probably there was. A, I guess we weren't quite certain for a little while whether you were going to. were the top international in terms of that. I mean, yeah. Until it was hard, yeah. It looked like it was well, the case. Well, it looked like um, it was because I was the highest non-classified. But then you, th- yeah. then I th- thought, well, hang on, uh, what if yeah. an international shooter's actually shot a, some of the series yeah. over here and they have a classification? Yeah. Um. So we didn't actually know, and then it didn't take long for it to be not a secret because Ken just came around like pre <laughs> when everyone was in there, like pre and like pre anything starting. And came around and just said, "Oh, Anthony, there, uh, man, you shot your ass off. Good enough for top international." And just sort of, <laughs> and, and, just, and then walked off. I was just like, "Oh, well, that that uh, that clarifies that." Yeah. So, so that was a pretty overall. You um, I get. Oh, 
it's not you to summarise, but I think you felt you shot pretty much to where you, you were hoping or planning or potential-wise um, for the match? 98% of it, probably. The only stage that I was unhappy with was that rooftop. Yeah. I don't yeah. think... Uh, I don't think any of the other stuff... Yeah, there could have been things that could have helped me get more hits. Um, yeah. One thing... The biggest takeaway was that is the little slow six mils are really good in terms of accuracy and all of that. But if you're not hitting the plate, man, it can be hard to see where you're going. Um, yeah. And we, and even in those dusty conditions, and even when you are on plate, the plate swing is very, very minimal. Um, and a lot of the guys over there running the small sixes, like the dashes and GTs, they're going... Uh, quite fast most of the guys that I talked to running Dasher or GT well up into the 29s you know 2930 2950 2980 yeah um, just to get that energy down range and 25 cal's a big thing over there like a lot of a lot of guys move into the 25s um, a lot of 6.5s coming back in as well and it's Everyone's saying the same thing, you know, energy downrange, being able to read plate swing, get some feedback if you're not hitting the plates. And there's a couple of stages, um, the one off the culvert pipe, across the road, the culvert and then prone, we had that really hard coyote off to the left and then the the, yep. the other animal silhouettes, then we finished on those tur- turkey the turtle, silhouettes. The tur- oh, the turtle, turtle. The tur- yep. Turtle, which is like a cow shit, basically on a on a pole. <laughs> yeah, it was it was that grayed out, and the mirage was that bad. I, I had no idea what it was. I was just like, yeah, oh, that's yeah. a that's a gray speck. That'll do. Yeah, that'll do. It's about nice seven seven hundred yard turtle silhouette. Um, <laughs> and so I hit the first two shots on the prairie dog, whatever it was. Hit the coyote, and then the first shot on the turtle. I saw dust, couldn't quite make out, like a tiny bit of dust, couldn't quite make out where, thought it was right, corrected, yeah, so came left a couple of tenths because it wasn't a very big target, and then saw dust, still not definitively, but saw dust like quite a way off left, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe maybe I'm just low or something. I, I could, still had no idea. And that then led to another miss on the turkey because I couldn't quite work out what wind co- bracket I needed to be. And I was like, right, well, it's probably between that one and that one. And I was still wrong on the first, the next target of the troop line, effectively. So that was a really obvious one that if one miss can turn into three or more very easily if you can't see, you know, where you're going because then you're just guessing. Yeah. And watching through the spot of some of the guys running the faster six mils or the big bigger six fives uh they're throwing up a lot more energy and yeah you've got more recoil and stuff to deal with as well but um you just got more chance down range of seeing stuff so the yeah i knew the br was the bra was not going to be super suitable and don't a lot of guys use them very successfully, but there's a time yeah. and a place for them, and that those type of conditions and that type of wind, it wasn't the optimal caliber. So what was cow cow shooting? I think is uh, GT. GT, yes, yeah, six, six GT. GT. Yeah. 
but yeah. it's going a bit faster, a fair bit faster than mine, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, he was yeah, he was but... the he was the winner, um, and it was interesting. Just something we were looking at. Oh, I looked at last night with him talking about the match. Um, as he said, he was really happy with his performance in the match, and that's what he sort of started to focus on with the way he shoots. Um, is the actual performance on the day rather than placing, which is an interesting thing to think about. But he said, if you'd shot that match nine more times, there'd be nine different winners. It's the nature of the way you know the the top level. There's so much stuff happening in a match. So he said I was super happy with where I finished, obviously, but there was more the way, you know, the the two days, every, everything went really well, you know, for him. So it was interesting just listening to the way he had um, sort of, he realised, you know, it's pretty tight <laughs> margins at the top in terms of winning. Um, well, it ended, it ended up not so tight, but he had a decent margin over Morgan. Yeah, he standards. did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he shot outstandingly well. I think he dropped 14 shots for the whole match, which in those conditions, um, I can't figure out how. <sighs> like, yeah, that's a that's a nine or a clean, nine or a clean, yeah, roughly, yeah. Every, on everything, and I can't figure yeah. out how he did it in those conditions, but that's obviously why he's... Why? Why yeah. he won and I didn't. Um, yeah. So <laughs> right. quite, quite a quite a bit of work, work, quite a bit to work on between now and next year. But so yeah, that, that was my biggest sort of takeaway from the from the match was um, uh, caliber choice. Yeah. And he said no, his rifle can... rate was twenty pounds. Is that? Yeah. Which is sort of Light. now slightly lightish. Yeah. Yeah. Considering he's such a big guy as well, he could handle a twenty-five pound gun pretty, pretty easy. Yeah, I, just, I see him shifting his gun as like picks it up. Doesn't look like he's struggling at all. No. Back to the um, gym, Anthony. Is that, is that your plan? Yeah, probably. <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm pretty pretty happy. Yeah, so I'm, last year was so disappointing over there. Not. Yeah, with all the yeah. issues that we had, um, yeah, just coming out not knowing, you know, and then yeah. so this year I've actually got a pretty good indication. I was like, well, okay, not a mile behind that... these guys. Yeah, uh, I think last year also made you probably did it make you focus more on making sure all your gear is not good, you know, take trying to reduce, I guess, risk of failure yeah. in any area like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a long way to go. It's a, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, you don't yeah. want to go over there and have a have a balls up like um yeah like last year or like or like Scott did this year <laughs> day one trigger yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it just takes away from the whole trip and it, and it, yeah. you lose focus of why you're there and and the t- and you forget you know any any learnings that you've got to bring home because you're just so focused on those big negative things because I didn't have any any problems no. I've, I've brought a lot of sort of information and learnings back from the match that I can now work on yeah um, and implement and you, you know ultimately use it to get better so that's the, that's the point yeah uh, but it's yeah it's nice to it's, it, it, it's a good feeling when you yeah, we're stuck way down here. We don't get that exposure to the rest of the, the, the those top, the big names of the sport. You know, the 
that everyone knows. We don't get exposed to them at all. So it's nice to be like, oh, actually, I only finished six shots behind last year's PRS winner and and last year's world champion. So, yeah, Yeah. it gives you some some hope that with a bit more practice and training and a bit more knowledge about the sport and a bit more... um, correct gear selection caliber selection uh and knowing the conditions and being familiar and comfortable in those conditions that yeah that there's a chance that even us from down here in new zealand can can run with those top guys and and be competitive yeah um so yeah hopefully hopefully if there would have been a few guys watching from here in australia especially from australia who've been competitive I've been competitive with all year. We'll be thinking, hey, right, okay, let's yeah. let's go next year because this looks like we're not wasting our time. I know a few of the true. Aussies are keen on the IPRF World Champs in Colorado next year too. So, yeah, yeah, well, that's that's why a number of them didn't go. Like the yeah, the, the, uh, the what month is that? Was September. Oh, okay. Yeah. September 11th. Oh. No way. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> oh, someone's going to schedule something on the date. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yep. Cheap flights. December 7th. <laughs> January 7th. Yeah, it's 11th of September to 17th of September next year in Grand Junction, Colorado. Um, but that's why a number of the Aussies didn't go this year. They're saving that big trip for for next year for the world champs and do a few matches either side which is a good idea you know so it's um yeah but man the the i know there will only be six open class american shooters at the world champs because that's all they can bring but man Keepers. get getting past getting past them in their home turf basically on a range <laughs> they shoot at all the time that's that's as close to impossible as you can get probably because they'll be you know it'll it'll be yeah it'll be all their top guys and it'll be that'll be a big challenge yeah, yeah. i heard so, their selection process to get one of those spots it's hectic oh yeah it's yeah, you, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's you it's basically you have to go through the ag cup um match series which is already really really hectic and hard so you've got to be a top performer in the ag cup series to even be considered for selection and so it's not it's not it's going to be basically their top six guys who end up going as their six spots and so it'll be they'll be really hard to beat so i think you know anyone going to the world champs seventh place in open class will be the goal realistically (laughs) like if you're seventh you're doing really well you know to be best of the rest um that's my thought on anyway and if you manage to pick off one of those americans on their home turf um with all they know about that range and and that type of thing you you, they'll be doing um amazingly well yeah but anyway that's all that's like nine ten months always a lot of time between now and then no, it's been a. We've dedicated a fair bit of time to this, but it's worth well to talk about because it's certainly um, it's interesting seeing how they run things over there and the size of the match and to actually go there and have a look at it. Yeah, so thanks for the invite to go along. 
Um, Couldn't have done it without you, Mark, literally. So. <laughs> well, someone had to sleep in economy. Well, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Sit there, bolt upright. <laughs> so when when we landed, so a bit, a little bit on the trip home, right? So then when when we uh, Scotty dropped us in Wichita, we flew home from Wichita, um, yeah, and then Wichita, Houston, Houston, Auckland, um, and we got back to Auckland about five thirty, I think it was Wednesday morning, and so. We had a pretty good trip. Wichita to Houston was a pretty small flight and a very, very rickety jet. Yeah, Canada Air. It was like an oddball, like Man. the smallest possible jet you could get, like a two-seat two to the side job, yeah. It was, it was, um, it was rickety as shit. But, um, anyway, so Houston, Houston's now a massive airport. Um yeah, I wasn't confident all my bags had actually made it onto the plane because the app's got a thing, and I was paranoid that I was going to lose my gun because it wasn't showing up on the app thing, like in the um, to say that your bags had made it on the plane. So I was kept nagging the people in the lounge about that, and then at the gate I checked with them to make sure it was on, and they uh, they couldn't even tell me, and then I had to wait there for half an hour, and eventually they confirmed that all three of my bags were on the plane, so I was happy. So like, right, not losing anything. We're getting home. That's fine. So when we landed in Auckland. Um, we were off the plane waiting for bags. Mark comes out looking like he hasn't slept in about five days. Um, I'd had a, a solid, right. I'd had a solid nine hours of sleep on the way home, so I was I was fresh as I was fresh as a daisy. And Mark, literally, I went to say something like I went to open my mouth, and he said, "I'm on a real fucking short fuse. Don't say anything." <laughs> Oh, grumpy Mark. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I literally fell asleep. I know, finally, finally, I'm going to fall asleep because I, I decided to stay up until it was 10 p.m. New Zealand. Well, anyway, some stupid theory. And I think I fell asleep for like two hours. And I woke up thinking, oh, yeah, it must be almost landing. And it was still four hours to go. I was like, Arr. I was just, anyway. So, so about 1 a.m. New Zealand time. Yeah. And, um,. Yeah, so I'd oh I'd had, I'd had really good sleep. So yeah, I'll just reiterate that yeah. I was I was I was fresh as Mark was just yeah. ragged, and um, but I do it yeah. all again. I, I in hindsight it wasn't that bad. That's great. It's a long flight. Whatever. What's a bit Clearing. of deep vein? <laughs> bit of deep, deep vein thrombosis. Deep vein oh. thrombosis. <laughs> Some blood clot crawling through my body right now. Kill me shortly. But anyway. Um, clearing, clearing customs was easy as in Auckland as always. Uh, yeah, cop, cops turned up nice and quick this time, but obviously they probably don't have much to do at five in the morning. Um, in Auckland Airport, so they were there nice yeah. and fast, got us through customs, and we were out. And then we had a four-hour wait until we our respective flights back to Palmerston, uh, New Plymouth, and uh, Napier. Uh, Napier, yeah. And that yeah, was that. that. And to to book in Scott's. Uh... <sighs> Travails of the week. Uh, his gun got checked in at uh, was it Kansas City that he left from again, and, and has never been seen since. Seen it. <laughs> Not seen or heard from again. So his gun, no information. So his gun is just floating around an airport somewhere. Gone. 
God. So what are we now? This is the twenty third of November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. got home on the when did we get home? The eighth. So it's been yeah. it's been two weeks, right? Yeah. And no sign of it. Like no one had a clue. And then today, of all days, today I get a text from Scott. My gun has turned up at Sydney Airport. What? Yep. Where is that? Where he is he from that? No, no, he's, he's in Melbourne. He's in Melbourne. <laughs> this is not even in the same state. No. Yep. So, so the message says, Border Force in Sydney just rang me. They have my rifle. Holy so, shit. good news, his gun has found it, uh, has found its way back to Australia. So, he may be reunited shortly with it. That's, that's amazing. I would have thought it was gone, Burger, because it didn't seem to make it out of the States. Yeah. And... Does he have to... Does he have to collect it, or will they post it to... <laughs> I, no idea. Oh, man. Is that, that, no not, idea, no. They're not always the... the... Wow, okay, cool. <laughs> so, he, good, he had, <laughs> good he news. An, he had an, yeah, it's good news. He had an interest because he breaks his gun down, and it's a shorter case, like it's about a metre and a bit wide. Um, so it's not a full-sized gun case. That's been a bit of an issue for him, because they often don't treat it like a gun case. So on a couple, he said on one flight it just came out through the carousel. <laughs> it must have been in Australia internally or something. I don't know, but um, but because it, it actually doesn't look, it often gets treated as standard baggage or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's yeah, it's a bit random. But anyway, well, that's amazing. I'm amazed. So I was certain that was now, never coming back. So now all of us have made it back to our yeah, we were supposed to be with all our luggage. That's amazing. Well, it's, um, his gun's in a different state. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, still, it's still it's still like the same distance from New Zealand to Australia <laughs> away from himself. It's it's on the same continent. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, it's in the same continent. Yeah, continent, you, there's yeah. no water between him and his rifle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the the border police will probably be crushing it as we speak. Cause it's yeah, I hope he doesn't have a folder. Quite <laughs> 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 true. <laughs> No folders allowed there. Look, this this rifle's a takedown. No, it's just. Oh. <laughs> we just we just crushed your rifle. Oh, shit. <laughs> or he gets there and they arrest him. Yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> which would be his luck. Just it would be. Yeah, oh, we found this so, random kestrel too on the t- in the terminal with the heels. Scott, smell like a portaloo. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, event, eventful trip, man. Non-eventful for me and Mark, um, yeah. luckily. And yeah, we managed to smuggle back some goodies from the US at the same time. Brought back two thousand one thirty-five burgers for my new twenty-five cal project next year. Yeah, and that, that was interesting at the airport going because we had to. <clears throat> well, it's fifty pounds a bag, twenty-three kilos, whatever it is, twenty-two. Um, <laughs> those all those two thousand projectiles, we kept swapping shit around to try and get all the bags down to fifty pounds, and we just, I think we just scraped through. In in the end, I had like, <laughs> I had bugger all of my bag apart from a couple of shirts and the projectiles, right rattling around in there, <laughs> and, and a heap of hats and chamber flags. Well, yeah, a lot of hats. I, I heard, hats. I heard a rumor you were seen <clears throat> sulking around, sneaking around the prize table. Changing skulking. hats, skulking, 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 like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, <laughs> with a different hat on every time, so you didn't look like the same dude, and you were um, picking up any dregs you could. Is that yeah, f- 
I waited a long time till everyone had been through and through again, and then I circulated the room, trying on a hat or two, and then going out to the car, and then coming back and trying on another hat or two. So maybe a scope cover or. Well, that that's that's it, Mark. Because you're now whether whether you want to go back to the US or not. Now you're not allowed because someone from the PRS in America will listen to this and be like, oh, theft. He was, yeah, theft. Theft. <laughs> wasn't theft. Yeah. yeah. People were allowed to pick them up, but I was just making sure I got a selection of things for people. That, that, they were in. four competitors and volunteers, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. I was a registered support person. <clears throat> you're like, you were like a, you were like a disability dog. Oh, okay. oh that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a registered support disability yeah. dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like well, a, so, sounds like man. sounds like with some of the photography you did, you were registered for something else. Yeah, so. a sex offender, <laughs> <laughs> probably. But um, yeah, you <sighs> stop stealing from the prize table, okay? Okay, yeah. okay. It wasn't. Spe- it was speaking of uh, speaking of prize table, um, mm. I was very lucky that I spotted a Garmin. Chrono on there, which I've brought back with me, and have been just absolutely hammering every day whenever I can. Um, those things are amazing, and unfortunately not available here yet. Everyone yeah. in the US, no wonder they're not, you can't get them here, because as soon as we turned up at the match, there was, like, every gun had one on. Like Every every, sec- every second gun, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, oh, God, right. it's probably more than every second. It would have been okay. three quarters. Every three out of four. <clears throat> Four yes, out of five? Maybe. Maybe. They um, were everywhere. Yeah, and yeah, they're cool. Just how small they are and stuff. So they've, yeah, they've made everything else obsolete overnight, haven't they? It's not I even can't believe you didn't pick up the watch at the same time. Can't believe it. Well, I wasn't sure if that was actually on the prize <laughs> or not because so on the table there was a they were bunched the together, man. Yeah, and the watch, the Garmin watch, was sitting on top of it, and I was like, "Is that a, is that together?" You should have just run Clearly. the gauntlet. Just do, Mark would have. Clearly, oh, clearly no. together. Yeah, or just put a <clears throat> sit down, put a different hat on, and go back up. Apparently, <laughs> that's a thing you can do. Just pick up a whole table. Interestingly, Mark tried to sell me his lab radar for forty dollars, <clears throat> um, but I didn't really think it was worth it. No. Um, no. I said, if you paid not... me $40, I would take it off your hands. <laughs> yeah. And funnily enough, we were using the radar a couple of days before Torada, and it was being a nightmare, wasn't it? And then when the Garmin turned up at Torada on the weekend, it's like, yeah, know, nah, you the... just You can hold it in the general direction and it picks it up. It's just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And the radar, you have it like set up perfectly, and it's like, did not read, did not read. By the time it's going, you've, you've spent like... <laughs> 20 hand-loaded shots down range. I oh, know, I was doing my 22 yesterday and I was almost shooting at it. To get it. <laughs> yeah. I was super close to the side. So, can can you, can we, Mark, at yes. long-range charge in February, can you shoot please... My, shoot my radar, put it out yes. there, you Fair enough. Put it, out, put it out there, put it out there about three mils low and two mils left of the um, mile target. Yeah, and a certain competitor will guaranteed to hit it first shot without trying. <laughs> and then you can bill him twelve hundred dollars for the retail price to replace it. <gasps> Perfect. Yeah, I'll say it's there reading the terminal velocity on impact. 
So yeah, don't hit it. I'd love you. To, I'd love you to put it out at, at mile and just make it like I know you shoot. have a you have you have a you have a choice. Like you've got yeah. your seven shots at the mile target, but if you choose to burn one of those rounds to blow up my lab radar, that's up to you. Yep. That's That'd a be good, cool. e- good exit you're strategy. Never, well, you're never going to use it again. You're never going to, and you're never be able to sell it. So, no. as well shoot it. <laughs> it's become like my original pulsar thermal. It's, it's become valueless. it's become like your two twenty Swift and your two two four Valkyrie and true, the, your seventeen <sighs> Wisdom bolt action. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. My three hundred blackout. My anyway, the list goes on. My fourteen revolver shotgun. Four fifty Bushmaster. <clears throat> All right. Your morale. All right. Your loop. With that, we shall end the podcast. Yes, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, thanks yeah. for uh, coming on, telling us your story, Anthony, and and Mark for uh, doing a good job prompting and and uh, and telling the story as well. Um, yeah. All right, everybody. You'll hear from us soon. Yep. Thanks, Anthony. Catch you. See you.